Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. I've just done a lengthy pre-show there where JP, you're in a better mood now, mate, after uh, Arsenal pulled one back. Oh. Two all are finished. There was lots of uh, emotions uh, riding high during that pre-show there. You're feeling a lot better now on this uh, on this Monday mm. night. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, pre-show uh, viewers were treated to us coming on directly as Palace scored their second goal. <laughs> I and might have hit the live button as it happened. I'm sorry, JP. Did. I'm sorry. You hit it, and, and you <laughs> it can hear it as well. <laughs> yeah, you could just you could see it and hear it because uh, El Hio de JP was sat here next to me, um, <laughs> occasionally contributing and shouting away. So he um, he was he he was happier at the end. I think you just hear a big scream then mm. as as Alex Lacazette scored the equaliser to celebrate. Yeah, another two-all draw with Crystal Palace, which is uh, glorious stuff. It? It's not something something to be proud of, but yeah, as the fantasy league team goes to shit in all senses. Um, yeah, fun stuff, fun pre-show, <laughs> wild pre-show. <laughs> where was JP Junior doing all this? You got that? Oh, he held JP, but where's the other? Uh, yeah, JP Junior. No. Lost Hulahan. JP JP Junior has just had his vaccine today, oh. so like I, I think he is out for the count. To be honest with you, um, which is all right. He would have watched some of the game these days, but he wouldn't be all that interested. Mm-hmm. So yeah. They are rather like the Lost Parks, just without, they don't do any cooking for me. It does feel like, no, I do what LA Park does and cook for them. Mm. Obviously, none of us weigh as much as those lads. Cause... <laughs> Imagine that food bill on a weekly basis. Uh, I don't know the last, but the LA Parks is good to cook as you, though, JP. I think that's uh, cook, cooking at home with the Hoolahans. I think it'd be better than cooking at home with LA Park. Oh, they, 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 they're good fun. He's good fun at cooking, you know. LA Park. He did Can make, make that a roast kind of Absolutely not. I, I'd imagine he'd devour a roast. I imagine he'd absolutely like the idea of a roast for LA Park. I mean, the gravy and stuff would make a mess of the mask, and he'd have to like, come on, mate, be a fucking grown up, take your mask off, not a kid, you know. But he he'd devour a massive roast. Imagine what he'd make of like a proper like if you stuck him in a Weatherspoons for the day. Mm. LA Park. Oh, it's like when all the. American wrestlers used to come over, and you'd see like, um, like Chris Masters fucking made up because like Flutter introduced him to Toby Carvery, and like it's probably you know, the idea. Well, it's unlimited meat, cool or unlimited, but there's actually no the meat's not unlimited. The potatoes and veg is unlimited though, so you know, pro- pro- blew his mind, blew all the other Americans around. Imagine the amount of trips to Toby Carvery they had probably had with the lads. You know, Moose was probably there, Uha Nation, probably a great time. It was probably the fee. Foda probably told them that he was paying for it. Fill the boots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you probably have those discount codes Toby give you where it's like two for like £10 or something like that. Probably five ahead. He's a smart man, is a Foda. How are you, Gareth? Any good roast dinners this weekend? Anything uh, Anything going on your end? I don't know how we ended up in the roast dinner podcast again, but we are. Well, we are. I was going to say, is this, this almost like hints that there's a special appearance or something like that from the, the <laughs> roast dinner lover himself. Hell hasn't frozen over yet, so. Unfortunately, yeah, listeners, there isn't. <laughs> One day, maybe. We could talk about the big soap crossover as well. Somebody asked about that in the, uh, in the pre-show. Apparently, oh. the, the window is being broken in, uh, in Soapland, but I don't know. I don't feel qualified <laughs> to talk about it. Maybe JP is. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah, the forbidden pub door is being kicked open, isn't it? Um, and it, it's, uh, it's, it's all to do with climate change. Yeah, that's a bit of a lame makes me sound like I don't believe in like, <laughs> it or anything else. I'm some sort of denier, which I'm not. But 
it's it's a bit like ah, oh, seems a bit pofer. It's not like a juicy storyline involving you know all sorts going on there and various other gangster shit and Phil Mitchell turning up and taking out a lad in um, Weatherfield. You know, it, it's it's you know it's not going to be any of that stuff. It's basically this going to see social media hmm. or anything else. And I just thought. Is this going to be like the WCW invasion angle, basically, but in soap for we see it and he just disappointed. The big stars aren't involved. Mm, like you've not really like. put the effort in there. They're all going to be too busy trying to get themselves over in terms of like, you know, our soap or anything else. It's like, um, you know, and like, it'll be like, oh, the big, there's been a big soap crossover. That'll just be like a photo shoot. And Peggy Mitchell rocked up to the fucking ITV studios and took a picture outside the Rovers return or something like that. That's it'll be like that. That's the best you get. Yeah, I quite like I quite like the idea though that they could do some like clever stuff where you've got these actors who've ended up in multiple soaps, and you could get one who used to be a character in Corrie, and you could have people like kind of looking at them a bit oddly across the bar, like, "Do I know you?" Nah, <laughs> not kind of thing. You know, <laughs> just playing somebody else. That'd be good. That'd be quite good. I tell you what, I'd have been fucking all over this when I was when I was a student, when I was mm-hmm. like thinking, watching like every soap under the sun. From EastEnders to Shortland Street to Dream Team to whatever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, literally the, you know, literally oh. the lot. Sometimes twice a day, some of these as well. Like, but um, yeah, God, I don't even watch a single soap now. So there, where you're saying that, I'm just like, yeah, just washes washes over me. But God, twenty year old, twenty uh, year old Gareth is salivating at the idea of this crossover. It was like it was like the dream. It was it was literally right up there with like the the invasion angle that you're talking about, but. I like the way you um, weasel Dream Team into that. I know we were talking about it in the pre-show, but I don't know if they've got the... Uh, <laughs> were they over enough to uh, to do a crossover with these stands? Was it a soap? Does it count as a soap? It was a soap. Uh, that was why thinly, thinly veiled efforts to be able to get like Dream Team as the music for today's show or something <laughs> like that. Maybe by, by, actually, that, by mentioning it on the main show. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's happened before. We can do it again. After looking at that death list, then uh, I don't know. I'm actually slightly more intrigued by uh, by Dream Team. I'll have to watch that video you mentioned. Uh, you guys and Alan were talking about after the show the other week. Um, yeah, I missed out on, uh, on that. It sounds like... to me as as a teenager, just like the, this boring show with a load of people mm. dressed in purple pretending to be football players but apparently just everyone died every other episode and there were car explosions and bomb threats and snipers and all kinds i missed out you'd have loved it it was like fast and furious <laughs> yeah exactly or what potentially newcastle united could be like who can tell <laughs> it's looking that way isn't it? in a few weeks yeah we've we, we've got that we've got that sort of dubious family put in there we've got a uh, Owned by a lad, he's, he's quite happy to kill a few people. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the look case of a club, and you got a load of Geordies into the mix. I think this shit writes itself. What are Amazon doing wasting time at Arsenal this year? Fucking mm. get yourself up to Newcastle. They look like they're enjoying the game, though, at Newcastle, the new owners. Fucking hell. <laughs> Like bad I've never seen that like it. Fucking hell. Oh, talk about buyer's remorse. Mm. Jesus Christ. You know, they were all there punching the air after two minutes and then, then they got the stark reality of what they were surrounded by. They're probably just looking around at looking at all them Newcastle fans as well and thinking like, nah, fuck. You know, like... He's not going to be giving us grief. Like Sean says, they're all funny, will it be, when Newcastle get relegated, yeah? Like, that, 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 that is... It will that be. reasonably might happen. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, ridiculous. the idea of Mohammed bin Salman goes to visit them when they play fucking Peterborough or something like that away would be. I'd laugh. Are, um, aren't Newcastle a big club or are they just the only club there? 
It's not like it. I mean, I'd find that weird growing up in like Merseyside and like my, the entire my entire life being like Evertonians versus Liverpoolians, and obviously you JP being in London and having all those options. It should be strange for like everyone you know to support the same team as you. Like I don't know how much fun that would be. It's true, it's weird, isn't wouldn't it? it? Mm. Imagine how big the fucking stadium would need to be in Liverpool as well. Like mm. it would be. It'd be, it'd be... God, he just had this mega dome of like 150,000 or something like that. It'd be immense. <laughs> We'd all be sneering at Tramia like they're the big enemy or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose they've got Sunderland down the road, but you know, it doesn't really, it's not really the same. I mean, Ian and Simon in the chat could speak to it, but it's almost like it's the one club cities. Mm. So, and like he always, was it Lee Clark who did famously once say that the only club he'd ever played for other than Newcastle was Gateshead? And then he ended up joining Sunderland, inevitably, because that's how the story writes itself. Um, but yeah, it's, it really is. I think it is just Gateshead after that. And then mm. you've got nothing else down there. Whereas, you know, obviously I had North London, but it's not like London sport for choice for clubs. Mm. No. I was going to say, while we're on 40, we haven't had the fancy football update in a while. Any, um, I haven't got oh, much God. to say. I've still, uh, I was saying before, I've re- wrestled my team from the uh, the jaws of the, uh, the hackers. I do have it. I have it back now, but I'm basically in the midst of spending loads of points to get all my my own mediocre players back because the the players the hacker brought in that are probably actually better. I'm just not happy. He spent like half half my defenders cost six million, my goalies together cost about thirteen million. I can't I can't abide it. I can't. I I, I need a cheap I need a cheap goalie. I need four million defenders, and I need to waste all my money on like I've got Salah and Vardy. Um, Back in, so oh, 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 I'm glad I fixed it. I'm glad it's more my team, but I, I feel like I'm uh, I'm operating at a handicap, and that's going to be my excuse for the rest of the season. So I'm, I'm not really closely paying attention to the leagues right now, lads. So it's up to you if you want to talk about it. I, I really don't want to. My, mine's <laughs> fallen off fucking cliff. I've like three losses in a row in the draft league. Like the fantasy team has gone to shit. I have to play the wild card this week. I need to sit down and give it some proper thought, love, and care. And I also need to look at the heavy. Arsenal and Palace influence over my draft league team with a with an uncaring eye. I did think it when a, you drafted them. I did think well, it's a lot of Arsenal. It's a lot of I Arsenal. Did, I, I, well, yeah, I've got you know, a lot of City, that, So I'm like, I'm in a bad I've got like five City players, so like Pep could just like Can't predict that, when no. Flep when Pep flips his heads or tails in the morning and decides who's going to play and who's going to not. I'm fucked most weeks. Although this particular week, I did do uh, did do pretty well. I'll take it. Oh, I'm all over. I'm, I'm happy with it currently. Three match winning streak in the draft. That'll do to me. Got Alex to play next week, so we'll no doubt oh, be yeah. shit on my bonfire. Punch and Derby. Yeah, yeah. Get us login, mate. Log in. Make loads of transfers. <laughs> say, say it was the. Uh, it was the hack- Steve Carino <laughs> versus Colby Carino in. Uh... <laughs> the, the, the big father son feud that everybody immediately thinks of when they think of father son feuds. <laughs> <laughs> What's your top five father son feuds? Dustin versus Ooh. Dusty is that one? Is this, a, this could be a Patreon episode this week. <laughs> yeah, Five to think. one. <laughs> <laughs> no, on the yeah, um, yeah. on the other fancy football side, I managed to give uh, Joe one of his first losses in the in the league, so I'm happy with that. In the uh, on the on the draft side of yeah. things, I'm doing uh, doing pretty well there. Uh, having that team back, so I'll take it. I'm uh, it's close league. I realised I was like fifth, and I thought just one win, and I could be second second again. So you know, everything to play for still. It's a long season marathon, not a sprint. Mm. But um, yeah, I need to sort some shit out with that team. You need the Saudis to take over your team, mate. You need Vince McMahon to, to drop in and in a, in a Newcastle top or something. Sort you out. 
Well, it'd be funny at Crown Jewel if they're all wearing Newcastle tops. <laughs> or like Joe Linton does a run-in. Something along those lines. He's, he's big enough, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, I think Andy Carroll would be awesome. Just, just like, comes out on a motorbike or something <laughs> like that. Uh, the only choices for crossover stars, JP? Um, what crossover stars for Newcastle into what into WWE? Might even turn up on Thursday. You never know. I'm trying to think. I mean, it's it's not like it would be if you went back to like sort of classic Newcastle or someone like that, like someone like Faustino Espria mm-hmm. in a kind of like kind of doing a showy type spotty type match let's face it with a spree he never had the consistency could have had um certainly better at palmer anyway it's a conversation for another time yeah a spree or a sp- springs to mind immediately um what about peter beardsley <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel He's like great, WWE? <laughs> i think gaz are a little great though oh, yeah, what the hell am i talking about I quite, I quite like the idea of them um, just sticking Steve Bruce on gardening leave and um, making him don like the Rikishi gear or something like that, getting him over there and uh, <laughs> making him. Be, as soon as we can have Yokozuna, you know, let's let's stick Steve Bruce in a uh, in, in in that outfit, something like that. I always come back to Brian Kilkline. He went to Newcastle. I always think he would have been a great wrestler. Mm-hmm. He's a bearded bloke as well. Would have been a good. Uh, NXT UK guy in, but I think right all right all over the Espria one. I think with the, uh, I think there's definitely a bit of character work that Espria could bring to the table. Yeah, I got it. That works. Like Carl said, there, Flash Funk uh, would work as a as a gimmick for him. You crash on Damage as uh, Rick the Model Martel. That could work. Razor Ruddick versus yeah. Otis. That's a good match. God, that could be good. <laughs> <laughs> there's money in that somewhere. Oh, there is, isn't there? Oh, I love a bit of that. Like, yeah, they've, they've not explored that crossover enough, and I'm not sure Darren Fletcher is the man to kind of expose. Isn't he the hardest of... He's he's quite a hardcore wrestling fan. I don't know how that is. I don't know if he's, like, watching Gleet or stuff like that. He's <laughs> at home by himself. It's all degrees, I suppose. <laughs> well, um, anyway, on the, you mentioned uh, before, Gareth, we've got to... Um... Obviously, uh, before we get into the, the main wrestling stuff, which we will talk, there is plenty to talk about this week. Well, some. We've got AW News, we've got Tony Khan kicking off on Twitter as we speak. Lots of that to catch up on. Uh, the G1 as well, um, which unbelievably is is still happening. But before we do, definitely got to throw a quick plug in for uh, for the Patreon. We did uh, an episode this week with uh, with Jamesy covering uh, the a mixtape on the best of Brian Anderson and ROH. Um, a selection of some of his best matches in there. A lot of... Uh, Lot of uh, great feedback there. People made up to uh, to hear Jamesy uh, back with us talking uh, talking some retro Ring of Honor. It was a, a hell of a time for me, a hell of a time for Jamesy. But hopefully, it was uh, it was good for uh, for you guys as well to uh, to, uh, to to sit with us and uh, and maybe go back to uh, to our glory years a bit and uh, see some of uh, what we've uh, we're always talking about. Oh, I looked at. <laughs> Jinx! <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, just absolutely, just buzzing off it. Like literally two days later. Just not just the the like the matches itself because it was just talk about a treat just sitting down and watching that variation and that quality of matches um, from that time period which was which was great but just the show itself like sometimes you sometimes we do this and sometimes you, you get a topic and we we record and you just think like you know pat yourself on the back the kind of thing as a as a uh, as a podcasting team or whatever that was fucking gold but for yeah for just 
afterwards the next day thinking about it and you know a couple of days i was just thinking fucking hell that was a good show like i really enjoyed recording it it was just so like just so interesting i thought just getting all your different opinions especially with like me and jp coming in a little bit more cold and you and james you're like filling in the backstories and having your your little stories from back in the day and things and what was going on in between matches and like just filling in the blanks and things oh, yeah, I, I loved it it was it was one of those where i was kind of like almost like slipped a listener mode in my head and was just thinking yeah fucking fucking really really enjoyed this and to be honest it was a bit it made it a bit difficult to watch any wrestling that i have watched this weekend because all of that was so good that pretty much everything that i've watched this weekend i was thinking yeah i'm enjoying it but it ain't fucking watching seven brian danielson matches in a row from his peak like yeah. mm. <laughs> see this is it we, we spoil you know we've uh, we've set you off we've uh i feel like we've uh, maybe you know, started like to like like you with your Noah stuff, Gareth. We're going to get you into a retro a, a retro ROH head just retrospectively. Go back and uh, we'll watch the whole thing from the beginning. You can see some uh, some prime uh, prime Danielson. There's plenty more where that came from. Absolutely, yeah, that too. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> like it's one of these things we were talking about afterwards about all the other areas that we can look at for this, and it's just like it looks like it's so much fun. Yeah, really loved doing it. It is one of these things, you know, we're, we're, we're relatively modest folk, I like to think. Um, and one of the things I would say about this, if, if you haven't listened to it already, listen to it and, and jump onto the Patreon because it was yeah, outstanding work. Look forward to doing a bit more of that. Yeah, definitely very, very proud of it. And, you know, there's um, mm. plenty more um, retro ROH to mine. But, yeah, I think, you know, we did obviously did the punk one recently. Hopefully people uh, enjoyed yeah. that. And this was like, yeah, it was, you know, taking another angle at it, looking at like Danielson's best matches and, you know, seeing some genuine. And I was glad, you know, we all agreed on a on a five-star match in there. Spoiler, it was Kenta Danielson. But, you know, there were other five-star shots in there from, from others as well. Like, just tell us, you like that? you know, the high kind of like watermark there for for what Danielson has done um in his career. I don't know. I don't know if it did you said Gareth you were gonna go back and rewatch um the Kenny match. Did you rewatch it? Did it did it make you think differently about your rating or were you the same still? No, I, I haven't ended up going back and, and watching it yet. It's still I'm still intending to in the next week because I want to do it while that's fresh in my mind. But obviously we had the the two uh the two Danielson matches from from this weekend kind of thing, which were obviously immediately comparable in your in, in your mind when you're coming back to it. But yeah, definitely, um, definitely thinking when I put, um, you know, when when I was watching them two Nigel matches, and then obviously, you know, I was waxing lyrical about the Kenta match. Like that Kenta match is is up there. It, it might be top five all time matches for me. That one, and you know, I, I, God, I enjoyed that so much. I was thinking. Am I putting that Omega match in the same territory? I don't know. I was two weeks ago or whenever it was, but it'd be interesting to just see on the on the rewatch if it um if it still slots at the same level level that I thought it was. Or maybe you were just kinda like, I don't know, clouded by the fact that it was such kind of a big occasion and seeing, you know, Danielson work a different style to what he's been having to work in WWE for all them years and things like that, whether that kind of combination of factors maybe just made you rate it, rate it a bit higher than it, than it actually was, or potentially might watch it and go, you know what, <laughs> that was banging, that was in line, in which case, however many years later from, you know, after the fact from these kind of matches, it just makes you think, just gets uh, the mouth watering again, thinking, okay, well, if, he can, if he's capable of pulling this out, this many years later than mm. fucking hell what's to come it, mm. it, it made me surprise me how well it all aged to be honest because like i kind of went in thinking oh no and you know 
again, if you listen to the mixtape, you'll hear our thoughts on, you know, uh, an early ROH uh, Loki Danielson match that, you know, maybe in our opinions didn't quite uh, hold up. Although, you know, Jamesy and uh, especially Alan Farrell, apologies for, for poor Alan Farrell, who suggested the match. And then we the three of us basically shit on it. <laughs> on his lovely gift that he, uh, he gave us. He put it, that gift he put on Twitter was hilarious. It was just like, nice big heart-shaped gift. And we're just like, eh, throw it on the floor. There's me kicking it while it's, while it's already dead. Um, <laughs> but there are some matches, whether you agree or not, that uh, that don't always, you know, age the best or like, you know, come across as like, you know, the amazing next level stuff in the time and were, you know, like that match things that you weren't seeing elsewhere, but maybe with mm. uh, with some time they don't quite look as good. But like I think the peak ROH stuff, you know, like I say, especially the Brian's title run, like that stuff. Yeah, I thought oh, I might go back and go. Oh, they're a bit long, or ah, oh, you know, you know, we, wrestling has kind of changed a lot since then. And what I would class as a five star match isn't the same now. I mean, I've got a lot of bias, you know, a lot of personal bias from memories of being front row at a at a, few, at a couple of those shows, but still held up every bit to me, and I barely changed any of my star ratings if anything. I went up on a on a couple um, that I did in the past, and I think yeah, that speaks to the the, the strength of work and and what Danielson was doing in the mid two thousands, even back then, JP. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's it's one of these things where if you, if, I mean, and, and the playlist is out there for everyone to watch. There's a lot worse ways you can spend three three hours of your life watching wrestling. Um, like you can do every Monday night on the USA Network and on BT Sports. But it, it is like the body of work and everything else. And and like I say, we were talking about that, op- that opening match, the bonus match, the one with Loki. Even from a historical perspective, it's fascinating if you put it in the context of like sort of 2002 and things like that, and you look at where he is as well. But it's, it, I mean, it makes me kind of want to look at more Brian Danielson. It makes me want to look at more Ring of Honor. It it makes me fascinated to kind of even look at um, some of the other figures around. Like we we speak quite a lot about like sort of James Gibson and the like for the last mm. sort of few weeks. It's this whole cast of characters who actually had a really great influential effect on wrestling in one way or another and it's it's kind of opening up whereas you know obviously i decided to go with tna around that time period of my life which it does make you it does make you question a lot of things again i will say there was a distinct difference there between the uh as much as we love doing that episode with eddie uh jp the uh the tna flashback we take compared to <laughs> there weren't any five star matches there <laughs> Mate. But they do exist, you know. They do exist. I've got ideas they do. for the ones we could. Do, we'll you know. find them. Yeah, you know, if we do some Samoa Joe, we could always uh, include some um, some TNA from the period as well. You know, the five star, three star, um, three way match. Lots of uh, lots of options, mate. Exactly. There's some of those there, but yeah, there's loads of stuff that we've spoken about with Ring of Honor. So look forward. I I can't see how we're not going to stop doing Ring of Honor content, and I can't see a situation, Benno, where you say yeah, I'm a bit sick now. of this Ring of Honor talk, lads. <laughs> Band Aid's been ripped head for a few months. Oh That's yeah. It now. Joe Punk series, you know that'll be coming. Joe, just Joe in 2005 in general. Joe Kabashi. They're all coming. We'll be doing all the hits. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, look for look for all that patreon.com slash grapple. Um, obviously, JP's daily updates are, uh, are there as yep. well, um, with me uh, chipping in every now and then as well. Um, Owen Hart and WWF show. Yeah, they did that last week as well. Um, that uh, came out. People haven't got around to uh, to listen to that. I had a, a lot of fun doing that, kind of um, looking through his, his WWF career. And yeah, plenty more where that came from. We've got the weekend show on Friday. Um, and in general, um, lots more content coming. We've got a couple of our Kings of the Mountains picks uh, coming up as well. Uh, we've got a 
possible show about Zack Sabre Jr. and coming up there uh, that Robert Broccoli is uh, as put to us. So uh, look forward to, to that content and yeah, plenty more over there. Patreon.com slash grapple. But yeah, should we get into the uh, the week's news and, and reviews? And like you said, the top GP, a bit of a bit of a mixed bag this week. I don't know even know where to start. I can say it's all happening right now on Twitter with uh, with Tony Khan and everybody's mentions. Uh, it was also three three years since the birth of NXT UK. I don't know if that's the big story we wanna we wanna lead with. G one, it's G one final week, and none of us care. Lots uh, <laughs> to talk about. What are your best NXT UK memories, JP, over the last three fantastic years? Go on. Um, best NXT UK memories. How many episodes have you seen? Um, this is like Gareth uh, not watching. Oh, this is a test. 100. I'm going to say How many episodes three. of BWE have you done in the last three years? And that, I feel like they're going to be a straight line, those two those two numbers. I think uh, there is a direct correlation because I'll normally like make an appearance maybe once or twice a year. And that probably then it's like, oh, all right, I'm watching NXT UK. And then I'll watch it and I come away completely ambivalent from the whole whole process. But yeah, um, yeah, three years. Um, yeah. I mean, if you watch Gareth, adoption, than, what do you reckon? Other than... <laughs> they should. Yeah, apart from the, the, my, the... it's a wrong one. It's doing my head in. I, I know. I know. Gareth's seen uh, set several NXT UK shows because I've been at several NXT UK shows, and I'm mammoth taping at the Liverpool Olympia with him. So you're doing better than uh, than JP Gareth. <laughs> well, apart from that, <laughs> that that one day. <laughs> well, we bailed on our free day two mm. um, because day one was far, far, far too much for us. I don't know. Three episodes, maybe? I don't know. E- even when I did BWE, I didn't even watch it for that. I didn't watch Progress for that either. You're so I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think, what did, I, what did I actually watch for that BWE? Did I just pass comments generally? But yeah, I don't know. Like that Walter Ilya episode. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Maybe the first one. Um, I don't know. It's terrible. It's maybe great. We've watched, watched the takeovers, <laughs> haven't we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we did Go the takeover showcase as they became. Oh, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. We did do that over on a over on a post when um, when you and uh, with Joe were still allowed in JP. Um, no, you're still allowed now. Don't uh, we didn't get you banned for the platform or anything. But um, yeah, like I, I mean, obviously, I you know I jest, but like fucking hell, how's it been like? Three years doesn't feel like a long time, but also not very much time. Like on BW this week, we were talking about like progress and it being, you know, three years since Wembley and five years since, um, what was that? What was that? Brixton, wasn't it? Five years ago. Like yeah. <laughs> time has both moved quickly and uh, and moved slowly. But I think the, the important thing, um, lads, is just to know that, you know, through through this long, long period of the time and through these last three years, tell you what, hasn't Scroobius Pip been proven right? You know, that's the that's the, uh, that's the take out of this, that, you know, those British wrestlers who were, uh, you know, given this uh, this great platform in, uh, in NXT UK and these uh, great wages, uh, I assume, um, <laughs> have, uh, have definitely uh, helped the British scene and all of the uh, all of the young lads who've got to uh, to step in their place over the last three years and uh, you know work with the uh, the veterans left on the uh, on the scene. Um, we've all done well, very well out of it. It's all it's, it's all gone great, hasn't it? What a great three years! Thriving, <laughs> absolutely thriving. The mm. the British scene. I mean, all hail NXT UK. Mm. Um, Scroobius Pip was right. You know, he's all right. He's, he's got the Marvel lads now. Don't need to worry about them. What's he doing, Venom? Yeah. And, if he, and if he gets bored, there's always the DC lot. 
<laughs> True. Uh, but yeah, it's well, almost like because of protected. It's, it's yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, to be fair, come on, it's been a success on so many levels. I mean, obviously those TV tapings there, the uh, the live crowds were dwindling to the extent that, you know, two sides of the crowd at the last taping had literally nobody there at all watching it. So mm-hmm. there's always that to go off. I mean, the, the TV product's clearly doing very well because it's never logged a rating once on, um, you know, the UK ratings platform or anything like that. And, you know, so sometimes you, you maybe get that measurement. <laughs> I was going to say, sometimes, sometimes you get that measurement that, like, NXT proper is, you know, give, getting maybe like 16,000 ratings in the UK. So you can only assume that NXT UK is getting, what, maybe 2,000 people watching it or something like that on a weekly basis. So, you know, big, big success pulling in those uh, big numbers like that. You've got nobody going to watch it live, nobody going to watch it on TV, nobody talking about it, you know. What, three years, 166 shows they've had so far, a couple of takeovers, Two matches, three matches, maybe that people talk about. It's uh, you know one a year. That's a, that's a win, isn't it? One match a year that, that, that people think's really good and worth talking about. A couple, couple of lads there have uh, got full time employment on on big money. Got a um, nice clear pathway to NXT and WWE proper. They're there on the main roster, aren't they? These these lads who've come through NXT UK, aren't they? Thing is, though, mate, they, they do, they've been getting 10 out of 10s on cage match, so you know, good to uh, to join them. Uh, doing a great as leaves as there, you know, there is a there well, is that him and I'm, King Power 53. <laughs> is there a King Power 53 on grapple, Gareth? Can you confirm or deny? There isn't, I have looked, there isn't. There's a gym, there's a Jim Smallman, but he's never put a rating in. Really? Oh, okay. <laughs> <Is> it... <laughs> There's a Jack Bigman in there instead, giving fucking <laughs> five star ratings for like every Ginny match without fail. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Janine Large Lady. <laughs> uh, I saw like uh, like with Will's uh, article this week. Obviously, you were uh, you were helping Gareth with some of the figures that you did put on Twitter. Like it's like you know what, what was like Rev Pro's numbers compared to like NXT UK. I don't think we even want to know like progress as uh, <laughs> numbers on grapple i'm guessing they, they basically don't exist oh yeah but i mean it was that whole tweet wasn't it from devlin about like the match quality side of things and you were looking there and you know i think something like in this calendar year alone mm. like you you know you you looked at things from like an nxt uk standpoint and given that that um given that that Big Walter Ilya match hadn't even happened on NXT UK TV, wasn't it? It was on an it was on a NXT proper course, you know, yeah. takeover. You're literally talking about like I think was it one match in the top two hundred matches of the year so far on Grapple, whereas like Rev Pro had two in the top fifty. So you know NXT UK isn't even the best you know p- best promotion in Britain. <laughs> never, never mind never mind anywhere else you know when it comes to delivering top level match quality you know you can you know, get yourself to your call you're going to see more um high star rating matches there but the way they look at the hard cam gareth <laughs> I mean, that's, that's an extra star for me in an, when i see that pose I it, exactly it, where that red dot well, is it's just the, magic the, they maybe do that at RevPro as well, but you can't see for the thumbprint. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but it does make it's it's. I mean, I know like you know that's you know us and like kind of our universe of like you know hardcore fans and such. But you know, no casuals are watching NXT UK, and it just says something that like yeah, like the RevPro 
for you know for their faults and you know the fact that they're just a, an indie in the uk like that, that that they are doing better you know ratings wise or you know not even just as matches just as like actual people being interested in their shows like i believe when you know someone like an andy ogden or an ian hammond will say like you know apparently this week Ilya naked was a was a very good match uh, i less believe you know like i say not to throw shade at cage match fantastic website but you know the people giving 10 out of 10 to five minute genie matches but like i just uh like it's funny though because there is a different universe of people who like sometimes you'll see those tweets like nxt you like do the uk did like a self you know a grandizing tweet where it was like you know we've been around three years and how great have things been loads of classic matches and all and it's all bollocks as proven by those numbers there but there are people in the replies who are like oh yeah it's the greatest my favorite hour of, of tv every week it's just like who are these people where do they where do they find them <laughs> I, I love the people who go, I love seeing them comments where it says, oh yeah, it's definitely the best WWE brand. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, you're like, yeah, so it's it's like <laughs> three stars out of 10 or something like that, as a, as opposed to two star or one star. It's like, how oh, big's the biggest piece of shit, basically, at the, at the end of the day. But I mean, even if you like look back at them ratings and you go, all right, well, let's take the best matches of the year, like off the TV alone. Like the top six matches, like A kids in all of them, apart from one, which really? is like Walter Rampage, Rampage. But you even look at that and you go, oh, yeah, A kid. Well, yeah, there you go. There's a lad who fits the mold for what uh, Vince McMahon's looking for the next step up for, for NXT these days and sure, to, to get your main roster. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely fits the bill, doesn't he? You know, he's, he's, got, a, he's, got, he's got a startling career ahead of him, that lad. Just what they want. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah, Spanish flies and shoot fights. Vince will be be banging into that. It's like uh, our mate. Uh, that's the other anniversary this week. Ben Carter. It was uh, I noted on uh, on Twitter yesterday. It was exactly a year since uh, since Ben Carter signed with WWE and wound up in NXT UK. And yeah, remember he's Ben dead. Carter? <laughs> I think he's dead. I think he's. Uh, you said JP and his entire family. <laughs> is it my fault? They'll take that food off. His it table. is your fault. Your mean <laughs> tweets took all of the food off the table, but it's family's table and even the friends. Oh. Which was like completely needless, and you're responsible for all of it, yeah. And you were sort of signed some bitches. I knew that. I knew that was uh, my grave mistake. Not to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like the gre- I found that tweet again, and like the amount of replies and quite like it's the most I've ever been dunked on on Twitter is just like all of these random, mainly Americans, being like, go outside go get some sex things like it was, like, it was a lockdown folks you know it, it was a hard time for everyone but like all over the fact that i i did i didn't even have a go with ben carter for signing with nxt uk i understand the you know the visa issue he had and i believe he um i think bix put that when he worked for aw he had to work for free because it would have ruined his yeah. student visa or something like that i was just making light of the fact and it was true that like i would probably Unless I was on BWE duty, never see Ben Carter wrestle ever again. He basically ceased to exist from that moment on. And has any fucker thought about Ben Carter since? Probably not. And the odd the three times I believe he's he's shown up on a on NXT UK TV since you've just gone, who the fuck is that bloke? And it's Nathan Frazier, whatever his name is now. You know, it's um it's sad because he was you know the hot thing on the uh, the Indies and uh, and AW and the like at the time and. You know, circumstances aside, like you, he's definitely someone you would have liked to have uh, had a nice long career on the outside. But instead, he's uh, he's been buried in a warehouse in Enfield. And I think that's the thing with NXT UK is that when we look back on it and you see, like Gareth points out, the match quality. Think of the wrestler they have on the contract there, and think of the matches that we have seen them have mm. over, like you know, 
and they're supposed to be more seasoned performers now at this point. And they don't have the opportunity to have those kind of matches anymore. There's no interest in doing it. And that's the thing that made the kind of scene hot. Like it's not, it, it just doesn't feel like, I mean, match quality is something that they refer to kind of every once in a while, but this isn't blow away stuff. It's not like, you know, you're watching stuff that's like four and a half stars every fucking week, isn't it? And we're going to talk about this with the G1 where you'll hear certain people be being praised and you go, there's a ceiling to how good these people are. But it feels like they have a lot of talent and have not done anything with it. And can you think of one feud in NXT UK, some big like defining feud? Like, t- tell me tell me the best angle you've seen. Um, Gallus locking someone's dressing room door or whatever. The, I don't know. We read the results every week. That's all I really know. No, you're right. Yeah, it is. And it, uh, the thing, the point no, is I'm... as well, like that, you know, we've been brought up in the chat there as well, you know, um, by Sean, like the NXT prop is dead. So what is NXT UK now? Like I saw Snowboy today. Did, he, he's basically, yeah, happy three-year anniversary to NXT UK. Here's the three more happy months. Like that, you know, that might be pushing it because like, I can't believe it still exists in its same form considering... Like that is that is an underrated thing, by the way. I was thinking this the other day. I saw somebody like be watching a, like a, a takeover match or something. It was like that li- that product literally doesn't exist. All the, all that law with Gargano and Champa and you know Triple H's little vanity promotion and the atmosphere around it and the you know we are the future type of stuff. It's all gone. It doesn't exist anymore. What a what the fuck? Like it just overnight it's just disappeared. I know it was a long couple of years of like you know, not a great product, but like the fact that that is just done and dusted and dead now is like yeah, something I still don't think I've, I've wrapped my brain around that it uh, yeah, I was gonna look at it. Look back on it in years uh, to come as like this weird moment in history. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is, and especially because they've like even changed the name. Like, so they're calling it like two point naught, obviously, as uh, as well. It is like this is a different product now, and that is some. It's like world class, or it's like you know, it's like AWA or something like that. It's this. It's this entity that ha- that was there in time, and it's now gone. And, you know, yeah. you're, you're literally dealing with it, an entirely uh, an entirely bugs. different promotion, almost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All everything you saw was bollocks. It wasn't the future. It wasn't the next generation. It wasn't this game changer. It wasn't this big deal. It was basically none of it mattered. None of it. No. <laughs> it's got. You know, what's the legacy? It didn't. What did it lead to? Mm-hmm. Which of the massive stars did that era like kind of lead to as well? Mm-hmm. Because that even all of the, all of the anyone who really was a star they were kind of like the full sale variety, wasn't it? So, mm-hmm. like particularly this this kind of end of NXT, right? It, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's it's like a, I'm trying to think of a television show comparison where, and all I can kind of come back to is things like in in Dallas where they had you know Bobby Ewing not die and stuff like that. It's like a weird kind of twist where they've deleted this history and gone Rick Steiner's son and just. Like here we go, big lads. <laughs> the end. Mm. Top dollar, whoever he is. Um, <laughs> oh, get it to him. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's 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 funny though on that Ben Carter front. I've just been doing a quick bit of maths there and just having a look. And he's is since signing for them. He's actually had twelve matches on TV like in in that whole time period. And the t- that his total match time on TV in NXT UK is one hundred and five minutes. Uh, like the great moot has done that 
in total in the last talk. <laughs> Kejimut has done that. You know, he's done two 60-minute draws this year, hasn't he? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> at his age, he's done more TV time in two matches than uh, Ben Carter's had in 12 months since the entire time side. He will have done longer in the N1 mm. and the preceding <laughs> show afterwards yeah. as well. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's crazy. And he should be knowing... Oh. Yeah. But that's yeah, it. But it'll it'll be a th- think it's, it, it's not taking any bumps, though. It's great for him. It's great for his, his well-being. Long-term, in the future, he's going to have so much more longevity and he's going to live a long and healthy life. But they are taking it. bumps in front of no one next to a trampoline centre in Enfield. <laughs> for 20 grand, yeah, if that. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> it's just mad because, like... I mean... If you take a bump and there's no one there to see it, does it really exist? Is it a bump? <laughs> like, you know, I suppose you want to get into the metaphorical side of this debate. Oh, there's truth to that. There's truth to that. But uh, yeah, it's it's just mad that it like is, you know, NXT UK is an imitation of NXT proper. Like I say, the entire NXT culture and everything Triple H built is dead now. You know, there's no such thing as a US takeover. So how do you do a UK takeover? We'll see. We'll give them a few months. Will they make year four? Probably, but uh, it's uh, still uh, an interesting thing to uh, to kind of follow. But I suppose uh, moving on from there into uh, into more pressing matters. And yeah, as I mentioned earlier, and people have uh, been lo- letting us know in the chat. Apparently, uh, Big Tony Khan's been uh, been kicking off on uh, on Twitter over the last hour, lads. I don't know if you's uh, you's know much uh, uh, about what uh, what the uh, the news is that's uh, been coming through. Well, it looks like as over the uh, the weekend wars, which were uh, were flaring up. Uh, over the week with uh you know WWE first uh, slotting the uh, the extra half hour of SmackDown head to head with Rampage Tony Khan coming back and putting the uh, the buy in on YouTube and all of the uh, the back and forth we uh, we got over the last week um I mean we can talk like ratings in general it's a it's a funny thing America I don't understand with Americans you change the channel or you change the day and like everyone just forgets it's on um but apparently uh, in viewers SmackDown did 866,000 to Rampage is 578,000 but the key news is in the 1849 demo they were tied at a uh, 0.24 so despite being there uh, much later uh, Rampage has, has tied SmackDown and the reason Tony Khan is <laughs> he's literally in the uh, replies with Mark Jarrett as we speak like replying to that uh, Darren Rowe who's been leaking the overnight because that's the other dirty part of the story that when uh, the AEW overnight numbers are bad apparently WWE are leaking them to various journals and uh, Tony Carter's his reply saying here's a story nobody leaked to you over the weekend but I'll give you it right now AEW got a big victory over WWE in uh, the Friday show after we went the, uh, the 30 minutes where they loaded it up head to head 10pm till 10.30pm which was the half hour extra bear of Smackdown versus Rampage Rampage won 328,000 viewers to 285,000 viewers and Tony Khan notes I puffed 15% margin he's fucking rolling it right now he's loving it right now <laughs> we're talking not big numbers but like I fucking love to see it <laughs> well he's made up this is so good. I'm just reading this. I, I like the way he calls him dog as well. I'll give it to you right now, dog. <laughs> oh, no. He can't resist, isn't he? He's done a roll. He's hot and he's possibly horny. Anyway, um, so I'll shut up. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were saying this on the weekend show. This is This is fun. This is what wrestling war stuff kind of has always been as well, isn't it? This is mm. this has always been part and parcel of it. The kind of shitty tricks. We've spoken about it on the 
most micro level possible in in Britain, where people will call up various venues and the rest of it. So WWE aren't above it. I think what's great about it is what Tony Khan has is just like all of the high ground. Mm. And my God, he's letting them know. And it's it, it's the kind of stuff he can just get inside their heads for it. Mm. And really, if you think about like, you know, they speak about, all, you know, coming for their dinner, he's coming for their TV rights deals. That's what he's doing. That's what he's got his fucking eyes on. Mm. Like he's, he, it's, just builds up a catalogue of like seriously we are you have to pay well you'd have to pay us a lot of money but my god like we are we are better than them look at the younger demo that we're hitting as well the fact that it it equal it tied in that demo is is kind of a big deal even though the numbers are small and 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 various things like that but it's funny as fuck Mm. like and long may it continue um, I was listening to Dave Meltzer and he was going, oh, Roman took it too far. No, he didn't fucking take it too far. Mm. When he turns up at Kenny Omega's house and decks him, then he's <laughs> taking it too far. Till that day, he's not taking it too far. Like, there's a lot of of kind of fuel to this. Mm. And we've said as well, this is what they've always needed for such mm. a long time, was someone to light a fire under their ass. The issue is here is Vince isn't in the state that he was in in 95, 96, where, you know, hemorrhaging money and the rest. And he had to take risks with the creative of the product. There was like an acceptance that he needed to change that because they are making money. It, it still, I still don't see they'll react to it with their kind of petty childish stuff, but the products are bad. And let's face it. They're kind of drawing the same as AEW now. Like there's a lot to be like kind of there's a lot of metrics where they've caught up to them in a shocking amount of time. The fact that and they haven't got the station, you know, it's not and even that ahead. They don't even have to win JP, like like Meltzer said. They just yeah. have to be in the conversation. The fact that they're gonna narrowly lose is a win, you know, for the three year old company. You, they're turning up on the, I listened to a podcast he did with I think I want to say it was like Sports Business Insider and stuff like that. And he's done like there was a Forbes video and stuff he does like that. And that stuff like, you know, you're thinking in that trade world, like you're building up for that TV rights deal, aren't you? You're building up for other projects. You, you're making sure that Warner Media knows that this is a property that they currently own that's very good and they're going to be able to do something with it. And, you know, I, I think all of these things are, are, are kind of raising awareness in, in a variety of ways that maybe we don't realise as much. But those, it's, it's fucking fun to watch. I love it. I'm loving it, like these little factoids that are, they're all literally leaking out as we record. But um... <laughs> oh, I need to get in on this. Melter just, just tweeted right head to head: Ruby Soho and the Bunny tied Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar on WWE. <laughs> Point two three in the demo. <laughs> love it. See, that I was, was moaning amazing. about that too. You know, the Bunny. Just fucking, uh, and and uh, do you know what? And do you know what the the good the good thing with all this is is when you like look at it and you look what they've done with not only this head to head by putting uh, Becky Lynch against uh, Sasha Banks out there like it's on SmackDown there. this weekend you look at Raw in the last couple of weeks where they've clearly had that fire lit under them and they've been going for your big things like you know your Biggie and Bobby Lashley they've had Bianca Belair and Charlotte Flair and things they're really kind of like digging into the bag here and they're absolutely like spunking some big matches here and one of the things that like wwe has been criticized for is putting these repeat matches on and things like that that people inevitably get sick of seeing they're just going straight to their top tier shit and and like 
What's Big Tone doing? He's putting Danielson out there with Suzuki. It's just a one-time match kind of thing. Suzuki's he'll be pissing off kind of thing. You know, he's mm. it's Punk Seidel. You know, it's 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 matches like this that Punk in reality then they're, they're not in, in 1849 beat every segment on SmackDown. You see, it's, it's, a match, it's, it's, it's a match of no consequence, really. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just it's a match. It's just throw a match on. It's it's not like they're going like, oh, we're going to go for the big fucking Punk Danielson or something like that to go head to head with SmackDown or you know go go for the oh you know Omega Punk or do something like ridiculously big. They're just putting out a normal show here kind of thing. It's just smattering in a few names in there and just you know matches that aren't consequential to their long-term storytelling or anything like that and the fucking doing them over with it love to see it absolutely great stuff so good and you said they've got lots of stuff left in the holster like so i was thinking they're not even they've not even touched the surface Mm. of things they can do if you just start to go imagine a how how what would a cody Rhodes heel run encompass you know there is enormous potential at that. There's enormous stuff you can do with every one of the top tier talent in AEW. And yeah, we get like the odd big match here and there, but you never get the opinion that like, you know, they're wasting big pay-per-view stuff on TV necessarily that they don't like, they don't feel that they can hold on for it. And I still think with AEW, the next kind of, boost in the ratings is going to have to come off the back of like good storytelling and feuds that are going to get people engaged and we haven't had a cm punk feud yet we're getting happy man returns to wrestling still at the moment um which is it's fascinating to see that what effect is that going to have in all of this is that as soon as you get like kind of good creative stuff going on and then that starts to draw people in and you don't have any faith that wwe can do it because they're hot shotting such big stuff that you look at them and go, kind of what's you've got nothing else beyond this. You've got a potential Ronda Rousey return, as far as I can tell. And then what? Just put the bunny on opposite of me, so it'll uh, it'll beat it in the ratings. So what's the point? (laughs) I'm sick of seeing the bunny. I didn't think we'd even, (laughs) I I was kind of hoping we wouldn't even bring up the match. It's not just Crystal and I, she's a, He's drawing lots of views. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's all laughing at. Hey, you know, that's how it is. But let's see how it goes. It's whether or not WWE decides to do this again. Oh, well, yeah, they're doing um, this week. They're doing yeah. um, talking smack. Of course. They're throwing, throwing fucking Ryan Satin head to head with Rampage this week. They're not scared <laughs> of them though. Like, definitely not. Like they're not bothered. It's not competition. Oh, it's fucking great. Like I love. That's my favorite thing. Like you know, Tony Khan going like to bat in like you know on twitter and in interviews and stuff and just you know outright calling raw a terrible product and you know outright you know putting that buying show together you know and just just it's just been great i love the fighting words but you know the dirty tactics that are there as well like i say to be leaking these numbers to to different outlets like they fucking care they're noting that this this stuff is happening they were terrified this week that you know smackdown on a weird night um sorry on a weird channel sorry you know up against rampage you know was was gonna struggle and it did and like i say you know even if you want to say it's a tie in the demo or even i think it's like a technically like uh you know i think smackdown got a thousand more viewers than rampage did like and you want to look at the overall numbers which you know people will like still the fact that at this young stage like in their in their organization aw even in this conversation is just absolutely brilliant and 
holiday and long may it continue I, I, I just love the way as well is like when you look at the matches that were on the buy-in and you look at the matches that were on Rampage as well it's almost like he's just taking the piss by having like Tay Conti out there and having like Bobby Fish out there and you know having like a Matt Seidel and a Ruby Soho out there and things it's just people that were there in the WWE system who they did you know <laughs> cock all with for three of them obviously Seidel had a decent run on the main roster you know to a to a point and things but again they're just like throw away people who just meant nothing to WWE basically and they're you know they're contributing towards this just because of the the type of matches that are put on or their role in you know being part of these these shows. Do you know Ty Conti versus Santana Garrett was the say. first yeah was mm. that which is a wonderful in joke. First NXT match yeah. to beat AEW head to head. There they go AEW put it on their show. It was marginally better, <laughs> but only marginally. But still, all of us petty. Yeah. We're in the middle of a petty petty war. How can you how can you not enjoy this stuff? It's great. And WWE can't play. This is the hilarious thing. There's still a part of them that wants to play underdog mm. with this, and they just can't see that. You know, it's, oh, it's like I'm sorry, Sasha Banks. You're not the Avatar plucky little heroes. Accounts who will pretend they are. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> They're not, and P.S. They're off to Saudi Arabia on Thursday, <laughs> or they'll be there before. Obviously, the day well, when they'll return, who can tell? Depends how uh, how everyone behaves, I suppose. Oh, where are the lads? Brilliant. Come out. Yeah, the crowd. Yeah, the crowd have shown um, highlights of Newcastle versus Spurs from the weekend <laughs> to warm them up for the big game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, we'll uh, if we get more uh, more notes as uh, as they come uh, on these shows. Like I, I do find that I was going to say actually, I do find that interesting. Oh, I know you're the same as me, Gareth. What is with Americans? Like you change the channel and all of a sudden it's like you know if he stand us was on BBC Three one day, I think I feel like my mum would find it. You know what I mean? I feel like most people would like the, like I was argue, like I don't know why I'm arguing with people on Twitter about TV ratings, <laughs> but like there was some dude who was just like, oh well, they were they were on a they were on a much lesser lesser known channel. It's like you know they were on they were on FS1, which is like in as pretty much as many homes as like USA Network and TNT. Like you're talking like basically in layman's terms, you're talking foxes in a hundred million homes, and the channels we're talking about, including FS1, are in like. 83, 84 million homes. So there's a difference, but not that much of a difference. You know, it's basically 85, 84, 85%, you know, of the Fox audience they it, should be getting. And instead, they're drawing, you know, in the 700, you know, in the 800,000s. Like, where, where do all these people go? Like, do they, like, SmackDown usually does 2.23 million. Like, yeah, I was going to say, it's, it it's just... like 1.4, 1.5 million people are just, like, lost. Are they, well, are they just sat quiet? If it's not on Fox, it's just. Don't want to know. Not you see so many. Not a, you see don't so, tell me. See so many arguments for it though. There's that. Like, oh yeah, it's not in every home, like you say. There, from a percentage wise, actually the coverage then it's a significant drop off versus actually what the coverage of homes is for FS1. So that's a load of bollocks. That doesn't like match mm. up to any, any degree. You see the argument about like oh it's it's high in the channel numbers. Oh yeah, God. Like I, I lose my mind when I'm trying to put Sky News on, and I have to type in like 601 or something like that, or <laughs> something like that. You know, it's, 501. It's, I think 601's it's, it's, Cartoon uh, Network. Oh, right, whatever. You know, it's a, it's, it's a, there you go. It's a high number. I just can't handle it. You know, I can, I can only get so far. Or God forbid, I use the search term and just maybe just type in the word "smack" at the start, and it tells me exactly where it is on the planner. Like one and a half million. It just totally just makes me think. 
how much of these people then watching SmackDown or watching Raw and then the figures that you get is just like inertia it's and it's just like, mm-hmm. are they watching at all? It's just like it's on and like mm-hmm. just it's, 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 it's on and it's there. And I'm, I'm not 100% sure how they, the Nielsen boxes get registered these days if it is something that's digital or if it is something that's like self-completion like it used to be. To be, but if it is just like a digital record of what's on, then like fucking hell, like it is like it is like at night, you know, hour hour three or whatever, you know, like hour two on SmackDown there to lose one and a half million viewers of people who literally watch every single week. Mm. Why why do they just why just the the channels change? So we're going to lose sixty, you know, two thirds of our audience are going to fuck off. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. My personal maths are it's 50% SmackDown and WWE is crap. 50% Americans are stupid. It's, it's got to be one or the other. Like, I just don't, I don't, like, it's just, that's the only possible explanation. So, to be honest, like, I've got to say as well, you know, the, the Dynamite, we don't have the final Dynamite number, but that's coming out tomorrow. And that's expected, uh, according to Brandon Thurston, based on recent trends, to do about 700,000. Like, so you still lose, like, you know, they still lose people as well when they move days, you know, there are people who just, for whatever reason, you know, don't follow it from Wednesday to Saturday, that's a bit of a drop-off, although, you know, not being an AW homer, you can maybe go, okay, yeah, Saturday night, maybe people have got other plans or whatever, but I think we learned it over the years, it used to happen to TNA, didn't it, all the time, JP, where, like, they'd move Impact from one day to the other and they'd lose, like, they went from having, like, a million and a half people and then every time they moved, they lost yeah. another couple hundred thousand, it was just like, it's almost like people are like, you know what? I've not really been enjoying it anyway. I'm not going to bother finding out what night it's on. Can't be asked. There are those things of people being creatures of habit and stuff mm. like that. And then you're talking about some people have their EPGs kind of sorted out all over the place. And it's it's that point when you get those. It's the older audience, funny enough, which mm. kind of fits in very well with SmackDown, where like there's some of these people, these over 50s, um, a demographic I'm rapidly approaching, but away rather terrifyingly. Um, but the but once they hit one week, it, one week they, slower they than they use technology. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll just forget where like Sky Sports. Um, I don't know. It's called Sky Sports Main Event or wherever it is this week. It would just blow my mind about That's... how I access it. But it, it is a thing where people are like those kind of creatures of habit and they follow it with their television viewing habits and the rest and sometimes people might be watching something else on fox and they just kind of it just falls neatly into the yeah martin said that wasn't it there was there's a reason they moved is the fact that it was the mlb playoffs or something like that so you probably lost Mm. a couple hundred thousand from that as well it still doesn't explain it yeah two-thirds of your audience like yeah i know It's a weird explanation, but I mean, it created news and a sort of talking point as well mm. for it in, in what has been relatively kind of slow news kind of stuff, really, isn't it? Well, it changed the weekend, really. It made it all a lot more exciting. Like that Rampage lineup was pretty bog standard. Then WWE, you know, started this mini war. So, you know, the gift we got is Tony Khan responded with the buy-in. Um, unfortunately, it was in front of the worst AEW crowd on record. But we got to see Mara Suzuki and Brian Danielson on uh, on Friday. So, you know, it, we all we all win. Um, but yeah, like the impact zone. <laughs> you know, I couldn't like put my finger on it. It's like that crowd like sounded like part impact zone, 
part like it was very indie you know the way like you watch like an indie show and you can hear individual chants that people are trying to start and then i saw that fucking dickhead and his everton shirt in the front row i was like oh. no it's full sale that's what it is it's aw <laughs> full sale that's what i'm watching like i know that the chat the chant and see for fuck knows what reason they, they respond to big moves they respond to big angles and then they shut the fuck up for the rest of the match that is exactly what it was it was mm-hmm. a it was a full sale NXT peak crowds, like they've all migrated to uh, to Miami, and the sales weren't good. Mm, like ticket dead, sales for this for really weren't dead. Time, I think yeah. they only did like two and a half thousand on the Friday, and mm. what did they do on the Saturday? I think not much more. About like sort of three and a half thousand, and it, they didn't do well there before. So it seems to me it's kind of like a a market. Either a they've saturated, or it's just they're just not connecting with for whatever reason. So you just think you might want to leave it alone for a bit. And, go to a few other places like i always think atlanta it's not that far away they've got sort of like people there Hmm. um yeah it's it is it's one of these things where um they uh, i don't know i lost my train of thought there for a second sorry (laughs) but i got distracted by the fact that jericho is now tweeting that ruby soho should meet roman at that bar which (laughs) i don't know what that sentence means (laughs) i don't know what does that mean uh, I'm just I'm just on Twitter. I'm just loving um, Galazzo Dan's tweet here saying, "If we didn't know that Tony Khan was a message board veteran, we'd be able to tell by his transformation into an online posting beast." And... <laughs> 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 That's so true. He was on the DVD-R boards, you know, back before it was cool. Mm. You know, was I'm worried at times he gets a bit over enthusiastic and gets a bit Herb Abrams, which I'm hoping, like, that's only in that's kind of the impression lesson. of him. Yeah. A very key, couple of very key lessons from the Herb Abrams story, things to avoid. <laughs> very true. Well, as that as that kick off kicks off, we uh, we will keep uh, half an eye on it. But yeah, crowd crowd aside, let's uh, let's talk some of the uh, some of the the buy in. Um, what did you make of um, Brian and Suzuki? We finally finally got the uh, the match. It was a uh, you know a match that you know um, Brian will have will have loved getting. Like I say, I wish I wish in my mind it took place where my mind saw it in like front of you know ten thousand people mm-hmm. at, a, at a proper AW crowd. Don't get me wrong, they were loud in moments, but they I don't know just a weird crowd for. The this match to, to be in front of but no, they went out there and it felt like I, I've been you know I said it last week when we were talking about uh, Suzuki against Daniel Garcia you know he clearly didn't know who Daniel Garcia was and just slotted him into the Suzuki match and look he's what 53 you know fair enough <laughs> you know if he's, he's got his match and it, and it keeps him healthy and it means he can keep this crazy schedule up that he's doing where he's basically working a match a day on his on his American tour and for some reason winding up doing impact tapings at the weekend this was like his swan song um then I understand it, but it felt like in this one he, he kind of he had a very good like I saw his uh, Instagram post where he was saying that uh, he got a call from AEW and he said yeah right away you know knowing it was uh, Brian Danielson and obviously they had that that one off uh, match way back um, I think it was in Noah uh, when Danielson was uh, at least from by Japanese standards it was 2004 so he was still he was an indie legend by that point but he was a, a young boy by Japanese standards and he talks about the matches like. You know, Suzuki beating the shit out of him um, and teaching him some things about wrestling. It felt like Suzuki either remembered that or, you know, just knows uh, who Brian is because I felt like he gave him lots more respect um, than he did his, uh, his other opponents that he's, uh, he's had on this tour. And just, yeah, they went out there and they elbowed and kicked the shit out of each other. It was, it was a fight. It was 
really, you know, wasn't a five-star match by any means. We saw a couple of them at the weekend, but, you know, for me, it was, I don't know, the grappler rating is, is higher than this, but, you know, a perfect little four-star match where two lads just went out there and kicked shit out of each other, and I had a fucking great time watching it. Like, it was exactly what I wanted the match to be, no more, no less, and, yeah, it was a hell of a time. Yeah, likewise, I'm exactly the same. I, I give it four stars. You know, you reference there, it's higher on the app, like 300 ratings on the app currently. It's averaging at like four and a half mm -hmm. overall. So, you know, a lot of people rating it, you know, very, very highly there. Again, maybe we were influenced by the, <laughs> I was going to say, maybe we were influenced by what, what we just spent the previous couple of days watching there and watching the watching all that, that old stuff because... Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it certainly wasn't in the same uh, caliber as the the top stuff that we that, that we watched there. But fuck me, what a you know what an enjoyable nineteen minutes it was. And you know, say nineteen minutes there, it was the perfect time, and it didn't fucking outstay its welcome by any, any any means. It was just long enough for them to be able to get plenty in without it, you know feeling like it was um, leaving any elements too jaded as well. And like you say, it was just. You know, two lads who are just technically highly, highly proficient, just just going at it, knocking seven bells out of each other, working smooth as silk with each other because, you know, God, how many miles on the clock have they both got that they can do, you know, a match like this absolutely in the sleep to a to a high level. And um and again, just very much being that falling into that category of you don't see this on US TV kind of thing. And it just being that kind of feeling of this, this is the type of match that we've been deprived of watching on television for so, so long that then now they're given this window of opportunity to go out there and have a match like this, work the match that's going to fit into both these guys' style, work into the, the type of match that's going to put a big smile on both these guys' faces as well. And lo and behold, it leaves a, great big fucking smile on the face of their, their fans as well because it's just absolutely just just joyous to watch and you could just tell how much Danielson was loving it as well just you know mixing it up with him and likewise you know you reference it there Benno Suzuki been put on that scale it not been an indie show and it not been some lad who doesn't know who it is and things like that you could tell he was fucking buzzing off it as well and he was right into every moment of it as well and you know like I say no higher than a four for me but Fucking hell! What a what a lot of fun I had and uh, enjoyed that and enjoyed it when I watched it watched it again today. Yeah, like Sean says there, JP. You know how close was it to an upper level G one match? That's what it was to me. It was a G one match. It was a perfect. Yeah, like Gareth said there, twenty minutes of just like yeah, you you know we're not going out there trying to have the match of the year, but we're going out there and making the most yeah. of the time that we are out there. I think that's the that's a perfect comparison. I mean, I think the best phrase for it is what you guys have said, which is crowd pleasing. Mm. Like I went four stars as well. I thought like, because there's, there's higher level stuff that these guys have done, but then there's things about stakes and drama and everything else around it. Instead, what it did is it got like, you know, it made reference about the crowd, but it got them engaged mm. and it got everyone kind of involved. And it had those in those 19 minutes, there were lots of those bits where they'll, you know, they'll have their exchanges in the ring and the crowd will go for that. So it could kind of take that bit of breather as well. So, it was well structured for what it was in terms of what you can get out of Minoru Suzuki at this point. Like, you know, how much time do you give him to get him to do his big spots and, and everything else? So it, it's just like Gary said before, you just don't, we have not been allowed to see this because we've been effectively told that this type of stuff is bad for such a long time by the major company in wrestling. And then you see this and it's just like, it's, it's refreshing more than anything else. And yeah, it's, it's not, 
you know, it's not in the top tier of Brian Danielson work, but if you look at the matches he's having so far, mm. generally very, very good. He's having fun. He's kind of feeling like he's more invigorated now. And I think he sees the true potential of the work he could do. Mm. And I think it's at this point, if he, if he had any doubts about AW being able to deliver on, look, you're going to have creative freedom and the freedom to do these matches. Those things have kind of, you know, have gone away. I can't see there being a point where he's going to think he's massively disagreeing with them for stuff. And he can see the potential of the big matches and the money stuff. And, you know, like we've referenced about this, it's, it, it's, it, they're not, you know, spending all, you know, they're not putting Danielson and hot shotting him in with all these big matches, which is what they would do if they're in WWE at the moment. And they had him, him versus Lesnar, him versus Roman, him versus Big E, be all over TV week after week after week. And instead, like they're, they're giving people what they want whilst also not giving people kind of what they want, if that makes any sense. So they're not, they're not, you know, that we're still building up to a pay-per-view and the rest of it. And I'm, and I'm fascinated in the potential direction of, of where some of the matches mm. on that go. So you wouldn't even be working those lads in the future still in WWE, though. We'd be working Happy Corbin on the house show loop, you know, or like on SmackDown. Yeah. Like <laughs> If he gets lucky, he might get five minutes with Chad Gable. That's got a three-minute outbreak. In a feud with Reginald. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what he'd be doing, isn't it? And still being that underdog. Like, that, that was a note I was going to ask you guys about as well, because, like, obviously, you know, me and Jamesy, it's like seeing seeing him back as Brian Anderson's like, we've gone through a time warp and, you know, as good as underdog, Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan was in WWE. It's like we've got our guy back. Like, I mean, yeah, it is. It's just night and day, isn't it? Like the way he wrestles now, it is. He's he's just gone completely back into that. Even you know, down to the finishes to his matches. Obviously, this one being the uh, the knee. The fact that he's he's doing the different. You know, it's not just you know the WWE thing where you've got to finish every match with the same move. He's fully embracing you know this this freedom to be. Brian Danielson again, and it is. It is like it's 2007, 2008 again, or 2009 when he uh, mm. resigned with WWE. It's like we've gone back in time. Yeah, and like you say there, but like you say there, Benno, about it's um, that presentation, and you, like you're saying there about the underdog side of things. It's gone. That that's just out of the out of the window. The whole the the and smaller wrestler that. Yeah, you, you, you know, it's just he's just going out there and just being presented as a fucking world class wrestler who can beat anybody on his on his day, who is at the top, of, you know, at the top of the industry. And lo and behold, someone looks a bit more like a fucking star when you do that as well, kind of thing. And you know, you you know, put a bit more put a bit more juice in the tank, don't you, as somebody as opposed to when you try to say that they're small and they're got a face like a goat and they, you know, <laughs> etc. You know, when you when you're almost trying to undermine what you've got that, that's popular with people and you actually like shine a positive light on something that's popular with people. Surprise, surprise, it's it's better received. Who'd have thought? It's like even Suzuki, you know, like I you know, there was that nobed who replied to Steph and called him um, Japanese Goldberg. Like, I don't even know where to start with, like, the list of reasons that that's a problem. And they weren't the worst replies she got, unfortunately, uh, fighting the good fight against the uh, the idiots who are watching SmackDown instead of uh, instead of AW on a Saturday, but, like, not Friday. But he's not, like, a, he's not a megastar by, like, you know, US standards. I think that's one bit where I push back, where, you know, people are like, oh, he's a giant star. I mean, he is to us, but, he, you know, he's not in the Western world. But like you're saying there, Gareth with Brian, if you present him as such, 
He can be, you know. Would WWE in a million years ever put Minoru Suzuki on their TV? Ever? It wouldn't happen, would it? Like, none of his outside reputation would matter. You might have got him in NXT back when Triple H had a modicum of power. But other than that, like, you're not getting that. And, like, you know, this shows as well. I know it was on YouTube, so the numbers aren't amazing. You know, it's still... I just had to check then. It's still less than a million for the buy-in on YouTube. Or, you know, it's not it's not TV and, you know, numbers are counted differently and, you know, things are differently. But, you know, that's a, that's a been a win for... For AW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's been a win for AW in this period, though. You know, putting Suzuki out there and, you know, not pretending, you know, that he's like just some evil foreigner coming in or whatever, that however WWE would cast him. Just like, yeah, here's a star from Japan. Let's slot him into main event segments. And it and it's worked. It's worked overall. And they've got someone, you know, despite losing to Danielson here, he's gonna he'll come back. Presumably, next time he's in the US, and you know, AW have got a another you know weapon there, another star, another outside you know. Sorry, I hate to do this. Sorry, Gareth, Nick Gage type who they can bring in every now and then. Sorry, um, <laughs> he's better than Nick. Gage. Um, although they've got a match coming up, so we'll find out. Uh, but he's you know he's like that monster of the week you could use if you know they ever do like a Jericho challenge or something like that. He could you know people know who he is now, so even that argument's good. And he's not exactly going to be working that expensive. Mm. Like, that's the other thing as well. I don't think he's going to be costing the earth. I mean, he's doing all of these. It's just, it. it's putting people on who have some level of cachet that's mm. going to get some level of interest. And it's presenting things that are just interesting. Mm. And they may not always work, but they're always interesting. Whereas so much of WWE's booking is just, it's completely rote. It's you know what to expect. It's it's beyond cliche ridden. It's the same. They tell the same stories again and again and again. Um, and they can't move beyond that. Whereas here, it, 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 you know, the, there is still a novelty value to it. I, I think with Suzuki, uh, you know, we were chatting about, it's like, why would he, in, in a sense, he's got it kind of made in the States mm. for, for how he is at the moment. He's I mean, better off in the States. You, how are New Japan going to use him? Mm. And he is a freelancer. He can go wherever he wants, but mm. there's a really good, like, kind of run he's having out there, which, you know, the match quality, I'm not, I, I'm kind of expecting it only really to be at a certain level. Mm. But it adds aura and prestige to kind of shows and promotions that may well not have already had it. So the whole thing's been kind of completely mutually beneficial. I like to think, you know, he's come, he's gone over to the States, made a, you know, a killing and has been working nonstop. I was seeing like since the rampage match, it's just like his bookie, he's booked every day of the week. Mm. Oh, and by the way, he's appearing in impact. Mm. So fuck knows what he's going to do there. Yeah. I'm assuming you would have to hope against Josh Alexander, but you know, if blood it's a title match for Josh Alexander and he wins, yeah, blood sport on the weekend. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, yeah, and it's it's great to see. Um, yeah, it is a it's a beautiful thing, and hopefully he's uh, but had lots of nice coffee and had loads of nice socks to his uh, collection based on his uh, on his Instagram while he's while he's been out here. But yeah, it's just great fan service, I think, from AW bringing him in. Like, it was just it was a great time. Like the buy-in in general was a great time. Like I thought, as Sean said there in the chat, I thought Taz was on great form during the journal. He literally outright said at one point, if you want, if you're watching a uh, TV instead of Rampage on YouTube, you're a dumbass. Like. <laughs> he's he's such a he's such a like a home oh, now isn't he? Uh, Taz, I love it. Um, but yeah, I really I really enjoyed that element of the buy-in. Uh, did you have any notes on the on the rest of it? What they had there on there? Uh, Lee Mariotti and Bobby Fish and uh, Tay Conti and Santana Garrett in that famous NXT rematch um, that was there too. Anything to say about either of those? That wasn't good. 
better than the nxt match i assume i've never seen the nxt match but it still wasn't good mm-hmm. um and i like conti mm-hmm. it feels like she's kind of i don't know it's just like she's fallen back into the kind of shuffle mm-hmm. and there was a period of time a while back where like she felt like she was quite prominent and she was really going somewhere and you know, had had a couple of good matches. I want to say she had a match with Serena Deeb, which might be the the reason why it was like particularly good. And, and obviously, she's someone who's worth sticking with. And you know, it's pointed out as well that I'm imagining her segments and the rest of it do quite well, along with Anna Jay and and Penelope Ford and the Bunny and things like that. But it's just like, oh, okay. Um, I I have to admit, I wasn't massive fan of Bobby Fish versus Lee Moriarty. I kind of expected more. I, the impression I got is that. Lee Moriarty is wrestling that television style. It just hasn't clicked with him yet. It didn't seem particularly exciting. I think, you know, the, the victory was telegraphed and the fact that Bobby Fish was facing Danielson on the Saturday in, in Rampage. But yeah, I, I, it just kind of felt like he wasn't the right... You've got to wrestle him somewhere, but really, if he's under contract, then you kind of want to build him up on dark and dark elevation and let him do the kind of longer form indie matches as well in the meantime. And then when you put him on TV or put him on the bigger stage, that it kind of means more. But yeah, I went two and a half stars on that. I wasn't necessarily a big fan. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I haven't got much. I haven't got much to say about either of these. It was a four-minute match and an eight-minute match at the end of the day, kind of thing. Like, you know, see legs and Lee Moriarty. Yeah, I mean, it's somebody who, again, from from the indie stuff, you can tell that there's a there's a lot there with him. I just feel like he's a guy who's in a position where he can pick up them wins on dark, dark elevation. Mm-hmm. He can lose matches on TV, and he's not losing that much, really, kind of thing. Because you know they have guys like this pegged at a certain level where there is like a bit of an eye on the future, and as long as they're beating people on you know dark, then. They're not being presented as total jobbers. You know, they're almost being presented when they come on to Rampage or they come on to Dynamite as somebody who's got a bit of a record behind them. They can go in there and have a two-to-two match with a Bobby Fish or somebody like that, come out on the losing end of it. And really, you know, like it's it's not like they've been, you know, jobbed out or buried or anything like that in any way. As You know, you, you almost imagine if they were in WWE, it would just be that consecutive set of losses that would make it feel like this. It all just feels like a learning experience for a guy like that. And I'm sure being put on that environment in front of a big, you know, in front of a crowd like that with, you know, working with Bobby Fish for eight minutes, it's probably fucking, you know, learned a ton and it's just, you know, just kicked him on, you know, again, confidence-wise, etc. It's It just feels like a win-win to me. He's somebody who they don't need to be pulling the trigger on yet and, you know, he's somebody who they're pulling the trigger on in, you know, 18 months' time, two years' time, you know, etc. to to fill in that slot and for me, he's very much one of those who's in that where they've identified at the start of the company, they've got these pillars where you've got your Sammy Guevara's and your Darby's and your MGF's and things like that. Someone like Lee Moriarty to me is just someone who's going to come through in a couple of years' time as like that next wave of people who they put a bit more of a rocket to and you know push through really to the to the top of the card. So he doesn't lose anything for, um, from this to me. No, that's it. And, and you know, we were quite harsh on Bobby Fish last week. Might be a little bit when we get to his, his other match this weekend later. You know, he's not, I'm not a huge Bobby Fish guy, but I see his value as like player coach, like you say, as like the veteran to get in there with somebody and like, you know, even just the, you know, the art of working a TV match, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's a safe set of hands and he'll win a match like this, but then he'll lose, you know, the big match with the Danielson. You know, if, that, if that's going to be his role, 
I can live with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I suppose moving on from the buy-in to the uh, the main Rampage show, uh, kicked up with, like I say, the uh, the peak um, of the night over both shows um, in eighteen forty-nine. Punk and uh, Punk and Sidell. Sorry, I like rubbing that in. Couple of just a couple of good look, good good old-fashioned Ring of Honor lads out there having a wrestle and um, kicking the shit out of WWE. Gotta love it. Um, yeah, Matt, Matt Sidell's another one. I'm not. You know, as much as I'm like, a, you know, I'll go on about my retro ROH, I haven't got like a million great memories of Matt Seidel. My biggest memory is at the uh, International Showdown uh, show where I got the chance to ask uh, CM Punk a, a question during his Q&A and I asked him who was the, the future of not only Ring of Honor, but independent wrestling. And he said Matt Seidel and Delirious. And yeah, he was wrong. But, you know, nice of Punk to, uh, to name check Matt Seidel uh, all those years ago. Uh, <laughs> Taking the piss with Delirious, surely. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, but back then, they were attached to the hits, I don't know, they're delirious. You know, used to t- tour everywhere, wrestling each other. Again, Punk's heart was in the right place. But here we are, you know, 16, 17 years later, uh, and the meeting back on, uh, on, on, uh, on Rampage again. I think I probably enjoyed this one a little bit more than most, just because I enjoyed the the fact that them two were in there together. They, they were definitely, definitely teasing. They've got a, a famous match from way back in the day where the finish was a, was a body slam off the top rope and they built the entire match towards it. There were a couple of body slam spots in this, including the one on the apron where I thought, is this coming? Are they actually going to do it? Um, so I was into that. <laughs> and I've, I've seen people say this was the weakest punk match so far. And I don't even know if I'd, I'd heartily disagree with that but i just thought it was a really fun match i really enjoyed it for for what it was um i gave it 3.75 on the app which i think is a little bit higher than the average gareth gonna conclude us in but i just thought it was a lot of fun um and yeah as much as i've maybe got um, points to make about the uh the wider punk booking in aw i continue to really enjoy these little matches and have a great time uh, with them yeah i mean like you say, the, the average on the app is slightly lower than you at like 3.6, but that's still, you know, slightly higher than me. I, I went three and a half on this, but again, I just thought it was just, it was just a really, really enjoyable match to me. It was just like, it, yeah. again, it was just, the, it was just the kind of match that you just stick out on TV there with a, a certain amount of time. They still told a nice story along the way, fit in with the way Punk's been in the previous matches as well. So it kind of almost just felt like the, next chapter in this you know this him getting back up to speed he was taken to the limit by Seidel he was you know he got to that point where he did look you you know you know he he was playing it like he was absolutely fucked at the end I don't think he was fucked you know he was playing you know he was playing it like he was absolutely fucked at the end and then getting into that situation where he was you know he was he was having to just go to his big stuff to try and kind of land to try and get a get a win you know just you know go you, you know, try to go for the GTS a bit earlier. You know, try it with that Pepsi twist and things, and then you know, eventually, obviously, turn on the uh, cruise fix into the GTS and get the one, two, three. But you almost kind of that desperation almost seeped through that, like, fuck, like I'm fucked here. <laughs> like I've got to get the job done. You know, I've got to, I've got to win. And I, I thought that that bled through the TV really well. And again, for the you know the the, the amount of time they had, it just felt again that they 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 click clicked very well. It, you know, told told a good story and just, just again very very enjoyable and you know like I say three and a half stars for me but you know three and a half stars for a TV match for that you that you're watching that that goes a length of time that did you've got to be happy with that yeah 
I've heard Punk's out yeah. there just doing like mid nineties, and we've said it before. He's doing mid nineties press art. He's just out there having the time of his life, telling these little mini like we're saying. JP, it's kind of like watching him do like little indie films, isn't it? Rather than do blockbusters yeah. with you know a little interesting like story notes in there that if you're paying attention, you might catch. But you know, if you're just a casual, you just get to see CM Punk do his moves, and that's cool too. Like there's there's layers to this stuff, and it does feel like the type of like he's been watching a lot of uh of brett art comps i think from uh, around that time oh there definitely is and it's it's funny i kind of you sit on the fence of like sometimes you see a bad rating and you think to yourself should you be doing something more substantial with cm punk in order to kind of get that up but in some ways the slow burn of this where he has to get up to speed and matt seidel's been wrestling regularly and on if it was completely equal cm punk would win and you kind of know that but it doesn't make it any – it's how he goes about doing it, and it's the kind of little struggles that he has along the way. Mm. I kept on thinking of, like, the Clint Eastwood character in, like, Unforgiven, that type of kind of, like, former gunslinger who's having to kind of return back, and he's not quite firing in all cylinders yet, but he's kind of building himself up to the kind of big showdowns and the rest of it, and he's got a slightly reformed attitude from what he used to be. And it's an interesting dynamic. And I think he kind of, his face is weathered enough. And I think the bit of grey in his beard and his hair kind of adds to that as well. I think it it kind of means that when I'm watching his matches, and like you say, it's that he, he needs to go to kind of bigger stuff in order to finish off the, this level of opponent. It is interesting. And, you know, we're talking three and a half on, you know, an hour-long TV, uh, an hour-long TV program. I mean, and they gave it what twenty, yeah, twenty minutes. Mm. You know, that's that's impressive stuff, really. When you think about it, at the end of the day, for like American television wrestling, and it's it's something already. I think that we're all sort of taking for granted. Definitely, and it's it's uh, you know interesting that you know we're getting these like, these types of you know small punk matches. We talked about it last week. I don't want to labour the point, but you know we made the point of how we were kind of hoping. You know, or at least I, I definitely was, I'll say, you know, punk, punk moves to like a big few. But the the other thing we got this week in, in amongst Tony Khan kicking off on Twitter was the, the mini controversy with the uh, the picture of him and his, uh, and his uh, EWR notepad um, that he had at the, uh, the National Jaguars <laughs> oh. game where he was, uh, yeah, p- pictured just standing there with a, with a notebook and, you know. True to, to, he's a proper fan. He's like the rest of us. He was scribbling down his uh, his fantasy full gear card, and among you know the matches in there, you know Hangman Adam Page uh, against Kenny Omega that we all expected, and Daniel Bryan versus uh, Moxley, which sorry Brian Danielson versus Moxley got to stop doing that, uh, which feels like the logical conclusion to this tournament. They were getting very bothered there. by that on commentary. Overall <laughs> I know, this week, like, I know, which was I'm worse, than J- I'm worse than JR. Uh, but yeah, Punk made that mistake too, didn't he? Um, yeah. But yeah, you know that's in there. But yeah, Punk versus Wardlow is one of the matches stood on that that notebook. Like one, I don't know how the fuck they get there. <laughs> like I assume it's something to do with the MJF for Derby story, but. Yeah, odd one. Um, maybe it's uh, you know a route towards doing something more with MJF himself, but definitely not the match I would have expected uh, for Punk at the pay per view. As much as I am enjoying, like I say, this little Bret Hart run of uh, wrestling uh, everyone on the roster. I like that I direction, mean... though. Mm. If it means that you're building up to Revolution, you're building up to MJF Punk. That's something that we've all kind of wanted for promo battles, but it also would be a nice signifier of 
the end of the kind of storyless beginning for CM Punk, mm. or like the story is very much just him. Now it's going to be entering into a storyline mode against someone who is a uh, on the up, mm. and I think there could be some really interesting stuff like that they could do. Obviously, pr- promo wise, you're expecting that to be absolutely killer TV. And it's the stuff he needs to do, but I think a Wardlow match, it's cut. Yeah, it's it's how they get there. Mm-hmm. I can see a direction of how they get there. Um, I think we know what will happen, but I think it's a it's an interesting enough match to be honest with you. I, I find it I find it a bit of a weird one. That one, it just doesn't feel like a it doesn't feel like the right fit for Punk, but it doesn't feel like the right fit for Wardlow either for me. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, it just doesn't for. Again, obviously, you don't know outcomes and you know direction and things. But yeah, when I first saw that, it just felt like ill-fitting to me. Just it, it just didn't seem to it just didn't seem to match where the direction you'd think either guy should be probably going in at this at this period of time. I mean, again, you can tell a story, obviously, which then you know puts a different spin on it. Just because it's written on Tony Khan's notebook doesn't mean it's concrete either. You know, I think that's a you know just. Okay. It's you know it's it's ideas potentially you know he's just throwing shit against the wall kind of thing and just seeing what sticks maybe at a, a low low level in the card you know if it is something that is is concrete you'd like to think okay well it's well it is you know it is something that's got a bit more legs behind it and a bit more thought um, behind getting there but I, again I'd have to you know I'd have to see see how it how it came from that point of view but. It's certainly one that didn't th- fill me with, you know, massive enthusiasm. But again, it kind of, I suppose, on what on the other hand, it does fit this mantle of, you know, Punk wanting to work with younger guys. It does sort of fit the thing of, you know, this idea of, you know, working your way up your card to some degree. And, you know, we talked there, you know, weeks and weeks ago about throwing in, you know, these bigger name people. And essentially, if you're going to put Punk in there right at the top level, you're essentially going to be parallel and what they're doing with Danielson anyway. So it kind of makes sense to tell a different story for Danielson than it does to Punk. You know, if it, if Wardlow takes him to the limit and Punk ultimately gets the win, then, you know, maybe that is something where it's a W for Wardlow because he gets that amount of time in the ring with somebody like Punk and, you know, gets presented as a credible threat to someone like Punk and then for Punk, it's a notch on his storyline that he's got through someone like that as well, potentially. I don't know, but but yeah, it definitely felt like there was some other more um, immediately enticing options for, for, for him than Wardlow. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm still hopeful, you know. Um, I'm hopeful that it's not going to be the the match. Like, I, I just don't, yeah, I, I don't really see it as, like, yeah, particularly engaging, and I don't, as much it's funny like in the micro sense i'm enjoy i am enjoying these punk matches but i do think overall they're leaving money on the table with them i get what you're saying you know you can only have so many main events on a show but i still think you know for example on that notebook you know tony khan's got scribbled on there of the potential of um cody versus malachi or andrade or miro you know if andrade or miro are free i think i'd rather see that i'd love to see miro and punk imagine that promo battle yeah um, you know but yeah, I guess we'll uh, we'll see how the uh, the creative does shake out for it. But the other thing, uh, other things, I suppose on this uh, on this uh, rampage show, uh, we went from uh, from that match to the Bunny and Ruby Soho uh, again. Did well in uh, did well in viewership, but that's about as much as I can probably muster to say about it. Um, Ruby Soho, great Bunny, sick of seeing her, but apparently she's a ratings uh, winner. So what can you say? Any notes on this one for either of you? Or should we move on? 
move on. <laughs> Would you give it star rating yeah. wise, JP? I think I went two stars. Yeah, I did too. Uh, uh, that, I mean, it, it, it was a match that existed. Yeah, they're just, it's just that the Bunny and Penelope Ford are the most kind of generic, mean girl style heels that you can kind of, that they've gone with and they take up so much television time and. Sorry, it's no, it's the, it's the it's the two sides of that coin of let's create this TBS title and do more women's matches on our shows, but they're not, you know, always going to be great because the women's division isn't that great still in AEW as much as it's better than it was. Um, I, I don't know, but, uh, maybe it's just the fact that they keep going back to the bunny. Maybe they just need more more yeah. midish card heels on the, uh, on the Serena Deep. Yeah, she's going to yeah. be valuable in, in in that role, isn't she? Whereas the bunny seems to be their go-to for, you know, babyface like Ruby Soho needs someone to be. Let's put her in there with the bunny. That kind of seems to be their standard go-to. She's basically a jobber, isn't she? The bunny who just, like, she, she almost doesn't, because her character's so kind of well-defined and, you know, established to some degree, she can kind of turn up in a match like this and, lose and it's you know it's fine you can wheel her out a fortnight later and it's kind of like oh yeah it's the bunny she's recognizable and she can lose against somebody else and things so she she serves a purpose on the card but um but um yeah the, i mean obviously this match wasn't fucking anything to 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 write home about i think was it taz singing along to ruby's theme i think yeah, that, was that was my highlight, highlight of the, yeah. <laughs> that was the highlight of the match yeah, oh, what a night he had. Um, yeah, that's probably about it, really. And then the main event of uh, Inner Circle against many years, Junior Santos. This was another one where, like I say about this crowd being fucking weird, they love this. To be fair, the crowd, as much as I think, and the segment on Dynamite was shite as well, as much as some of the material in these segments have been terrible, the fans are fucking loving this feud. And to be honest, this was like, I struggled to rate this one on Grapple this match because... You can't say it didn't work. It was a bit messy, but it felt a bit like, you know, not on the level of, like, the Shaq match, but, you know, that kind of match where it was just... It was a spectacle, more than anything. And I'll go to you first, Davey, because I know you, you've been uh, mm. loving this uh, <laughs> MMA stuff. And, you know, even even down to where uh, Masvidal coming in uh, for the finish and clearly missing that knee. Um, but, you know, Jericho sold it well. Oh, yeah. They, they, they covered for it well enough, and I saw that clip turning up in... His hair know, sells for it well. Yeah, yeah. It turned up in mainstream like sports, like uh, media and stuff. That 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 clip, so you know, it was worthwhile doing. And Junior Santos was out there, like it was like it was like when you played like uh, we were talking about wrestling games last week, or playing like WCWNWO Revenge, where there'd be like the one MMA guy or No Mercy, where you could you for some reason in the creator wrestler you could create MMA guys and like you put them in there with wrestlers, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> or like um, Virtual Pro Wrestling Two is probably the best example of that. Like that's what it felt like. It felt like this dude from a completely different sport was in. In their work in a completely different style and somehow they made it work it did it work for the match and you know you got to give some credit i think to, to jericho for that but you know everyone else mm. in the in the ring as well they did it i mean i i, I enjoyed this i gave it 3.25 which mm. is probably me saying look it's, it's not a great match but 3.25 is kind of my way of saying it was a laugh. i enjoyed this more than i should have done it was a laugh mm. and watching junior dos santos who is game if nothing else, mm. like obviously there are issues in terms of his strikes, selling, general moves, you know, all of these <laughs> things. However, he turned up dressed Everything like Dalsim. So immediately <laughs> did, yeah. I kind Dalsim. of was on board. Yeah. He turned up dressed as Dalsim, Dalsim dos Santos. So it was <laughs> like, yeah, Dalsim. there we go. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do some Dalsim Santos. 
Um, junior, I don't know. We're just trying to come up with a, a show title here, aren't we? Let's just put the cards on. Oh, the we table. are. Yeah. <laughs> We're not uh, getting there, though. Oh, Somebody put it in the oh, comments wait. who's got a better one. <laughs> I was thinking Bal- I was thinking Balrog uh, more than Dalsim of Street Fighter. Oh. Uh, like, I, I thought he looked totally like him. So there you go. Got, got it, both references. <laughs> but then it was like, you know, he did the stuff like go through the table and it, it was a lot of fun. I thought they telegraphed what the finish was going to end up being that he'd have the walls of Jericho on leading to a Masvidal knee. And it's all very weird because Masvidal's got a very big fight coming up in two months against uh, Leon Edwards um, of Birmingham. And it's like a number one contenders match, effectively. So, like, he's got that. So I'm there thinking, well, he can't really wrestle full gear. So, and you're building up to 5v5. Um, I enjoy this because it's all a novelty. That's how I view this. It's it's very silly. I can understand kind of why it's over because it has got that kind of minor crossover stuff. I think if they can get Paige Van Sant, that'll be interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised with UFC anymore. She was like bare knuckle fighting championship. So I can't imagine she's absolutely raking it in. And I think she's got like a big social media profile as well. So it feels like, and I love the way that she played into being a heel at the end when she was taking her Instagram selfies and stuff. So I enjoyed this so much more. I was slightly fearful watching it. But then as soon as Dos Santos came in and went, well, he's not as bad as I kind of thought he could be. This is generally going to be like complete fucking bullshit. it's, It's mad. I'm game for it though. What's um, the pay-per-view I don't know what the final Liam, match will look Liam's like. Liam's mentioned there, yeah, because that was the other thing on Tone's notes. Well, looked like five on five. Like, I don't know what the what the plan is. Is he going to bring in King Mo? <laughs> I hope not. In some many ways, he's no good. Well, it'll be after Masvidal's um, fight, won't it? So you know, maybe he can he can get involved at that point, or is it after? Well, he's full gear is like early November. No, it's I think I want to say two months. Oh right. I want to say it's like December. Oh, I think okay. it is. Maybe not. Like on pay-per-view. So when does he go into training camp for it? And it's a big fight. Mm. Like it's got like kind of championship ramifications. And obviously that Masvidal is a draw on pay-per-view. It's I, I think it's hell of a get, getting him involved. I think he kind of enjoys, like you can tell that in fairness, they're not going in with a snobby MMA attitude of, mm. well, this is just fake fighting. They're enjoying it and they're playing up to it. And I think they realise if they can project some of this stuff in their MMA careers, then it makes them all the more appealing. If Arlovsky is, I know, and he's got a, a very sort of like venerated UFC career, but there'll be people who've never heard of him before. Like, who is that gigantic, like kind of big Eastern European dude in the background who appears to be beating the shit out of Jake Hager? I think there's novelty to all of this so and it keeps Jericho out of the kind of top mix and it's something that isn't MJF or Pinnacle related so we've asked for something like this so fuck it why not there you go yes and no because that because uh, that, that segment's on down again it's fucking awful but what are you going to do uh, it's over the, the, the feud yeah. is over so you know it is what it is I was slightly higher still. I was three and a half. I fucking loved this. I, I, oh, I, I, that. I had, should have gone to you. I had so much. I had so much fun watching it. Honestly, like I've got a real soft spot for Julio dos Santos anyway because he was like on the undercard of the first UFC show that I ever went to live, sort of thing. So, <laughs> and it, so he was just kind of always. There's a few fighters on that show I just have pegged as like 
people I just Your followed guys. from that point onwards. So he was, yeah, he was, yeah, he kind of almost just felt like felt like one of one of them, and you could just tell he was having a fucking time of his life out there. He was, you know, while there was some bits that that you were looking at and you were thinking like, yeah, some of the you know work punches and things like that, but. I don't know. I thought for a for a first time, kind of in there, I thought he didn't do too bad, and he looked like uh, someone who there was a bit of, um, you know, just thrown into that situation. Like I was, I was reasonably happy with it, but I just thought the match as a whole, it was just given that I've been pretty down on the Dan Lambert stuff over the last month or so. I just thought it was a fucking load of fun. I had, uh, I really enjoyed every minute of this, and there was just some like bits that I I really enjoyed. I just thought it was a match that. Totally exceeded my expectations going in. I thought some credit has to be given to Jericho because he Definitely. put some fucking work in, in yeah. this match. Like, and again, he's some obviously with his experience levels and things like that. He knows what this shit's all about. He, when you've got that kind of, you know, someone like Dos Santos in there, and then you've got this type of like crossover style angle, and when it does just need to be a bit more. Um, the type of presentation that this match was, as opposed to it been, you know, pure work rate match about it being much more about a spectacle and things like that. And like, fuck me, he worked hard for everybody in this match. And I just thought, like, fair fucks to Jericho there. He, he, he really, he really pulled that one out. But also, just like like Sammy Guevara, that hot, you know, the hot tag that he did, that was a fa- fantastic hot tag for Guevara there. And he, it like the crowd went fucking mad for it as well. Like, I just thought this was a fantastic piece of business just for a tv match there as you know ultimately just as a different form of entertainment for what had gone before it and what had gone before it on the buy-in as well like yeah i really really enjoyed that yeah it worked it did and that again the whole thing is over you know for whatever people's uh, faults are with it and we've definitely picked some too with some of the promos it's over and it's working so yeah, yeah. it ended up being a, a good way to uh, to win the show I'm- and we didn't and even see the really big spot that we missed. Yeah, of course, <laughs> okay, well, apparently did a dive yeah. or something. It'll moonsault. Um, moonsault. Mm. Uh, and what was good was after the match, I was literally writing in my notes, where the fuck are Santana and Ortiz? Like, and then they came out. <laughs> and then I was like, hey, good to see them back in the fold as well, kind of thing. So that was that was a nice little uh, bit at the end, just to sort of see where we've been saying, like, are the inner circle actually a group anymore? Mm-hmm. Then to see that see them come out at the end again, I thought that was a nice little little addition there, leading into to where this goes to. So all in all, I, I was just left there at the end, just thinking, yeah, love that. Definitely, definitely worked. Um, well, over from Rampage to uh, to Dynamite then, and um, yeah, you know, Dynamite again, front of the same crowd. I thought actually, thought, I thought Dynamite was good, but I did find it a, a little bit of a slog. Maybe it was the fact that I'd already mm. seen two hours of AW the night before. Maybe there is, you know, something to it being on Saturday rather than Wednesday that like a little bit apart from me is like ah, I could be doing something else here rather than, uh, rather than watching Dynamite. But you know, it's still it was a good show and there were good segments in it. Just felt a little bit. I don't know. It feels it does feel off when it's on on a Saturday, and it like they add some major stuff on here, but it also you know they know it's on a Saturday and on a Wednesday, so it's not going to be an A plus dynamite. But it still had um, some notable stuff here. I think that probably most notable um, thing on this on the show is uh, is Hangman Page's uh, his interview um, where he uh, talked uh, talked us through the uh, the Kenny story. He's got to be going over, hasn't he? I've been, I've, I've been taught myself, worked myself into a shoot now, listening to this promo, and, you know, how great it was. I was like, can this lad lose again? Can he really, like, after every, after all of these setbacks, can we have another setback? Maybe we can. Maybe we can continue telling the story, but after this promo, I was ready to uh, to run through walls for Hangman Page, and, yeah, it kind of made me think, uh, 
it feels like he's going to be winning. But I suppose I should uh, never, never, never count out a uh, big tone having a, a twist at the end of this thing. He's going to win. He's so over. Like, yeah. God, the pops. And like, just, you know, I, I've always kind of been an advocate of this being more of a slow build storyline. And yeah, it, I mean, to be fair, it has been a slow build storyline. And I always thought he could take a, another loss before eventually like getting the title. But this just feels perfect timing for me now. Just, you know, just the, the reaction to him since he's come back. And especially the reaction to him when he's come back in an environment where you've got Punk out there and you've got Danielson out there, you've got these big stars, you know, getting, you know, certain levels of pops as well. He feels he, he feels totally up there as a big star. And this promo was 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 great. Is this the most we've ever heard him stand out there in the ring and just talk? Kind of like it felt like it. It felt like the most I've ever heard him deliver a promo. And it, that was fucking, you know, that was fucking great. He absolutely delivered on on that one with the, you know, the story he told and kind of just getting you kind of hyped up and getting it behind him. You know, it just felt totally like push the button on this guy and then he's, you know, sky's the limit for him. You can really then, you know, stick the rocket behind him and, you know, hopefully um, hopefully build him into an even bigger star that he, that he is and then use all this other talent that's around there to make him an even bigger star than he, he currently is as well. I just felt so positive listening to this. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I, I think you've got to do it. I think you've got to pull the track. Like, it'll feel deflating if it happens now at this point and you do it and you give it some sort of another Kenny Schmoz like I'm fine with the idea that people try to interfere towards the end of the match and they get fought off by various factions and the rest of it, so they're not allowed to. So then you get your kind of clean finish in the ring, but you've got to put him over. It's it's perfect, and you've got the next night. Like I remember you, you pointed out, we might have been last week. The next night they're in his hometown, so like like uh, you've got to just think of the reaction and the timings there. And it's not like Kenny Omega won't have anything to do. In the meantime, there is that's the beauty of this. There are so many interchangeable, there are so many interchangeable characters, but in a good way that you can pull up so many different strands to feuds and other stuff like that. You could go to because you can go to an extended Kenny Omega versus Danielson series on on the back of this. You know what I mean? There's there's a lot of like kind of directions you can go with it, all of which are very good. But Hangman, I'd, yeah, after this, I just thought, yeah, you got to win, mate be ridiculous i think so um yeah i suppose uh all the big notes then on on dynamite what uh, sticks out to you they did I suppose for me the uh, the lucha brothers match with we were we debated jp on the weekend show who were going to be the uh the mystery tag team and then it turned out to be ftr for reasons i didn't understand this at all like i mean what why did ftr need to do this like it felt a bit like when they were all wearing masks when they um beat up derby the other week it was like Bit overthought this lads you could have just had a match like and i feel like if you just had a match it'd be better too i didn't need you out there the frogs I, I half enjoyed punk just burying it from the start but then half me was like i'm not sure if he was supposed to name ftr as early as he did because it kind of if there was any drama in this it was gone at that point it just didn't work uh, as a segment for me and i suppose we're getting towards a lucha brothers ftr match i presume one of them is going to happen in triple a and maybe they'll do another match on the pay-per-view as again as rumored from uh from big tones notepad but yeah a uh, bit of a miss for me as a segment and just a bit of an odd payoff to all of this uh andrade stuff yeah i thought it was awful it didn't really there was so much that just was like why is this happening and it felt like they'd rushed into a storyline that we'd kind of known nothing about 
or had any real introduction into because mm. I thought he was trying to win them round. Now he's trying to screw them out of opportunities. It's like, I don't quite get where this is going. Um, yeah, I really didn't like this. I went two and a half stars. I was like, I just actively disliked it. I disliked the dynamic. I think it fell completely flat with the feud. We'd spoken about it on the weekend. So there was a chance to put in a really good Lucha match. But this is, it's just a way of getting them to like, they've got to show, I think, triple, triple Mania Regia. Because this morning on the Daily Update, I was speaking about the fact they're getting Kane Velasquez versus Kenny Omega for that show, which is mental, again, just to, <laughs> to throw that in there. So it makes sense to have FTR on there as well, because mm. it's a baseball stadium they're running. So, mm. like, that's why it's there. But it's it feels like it took a little bit of steam out of Lucha Brothers. Mm. Like, I, I don't quite see if it's just to lead to them having a match where they win in Monterey, then, eh? Yeah. And that's not even the match they've set up in AAA. They've set up against Dragon Lee and Drillistico. So just, there's so much about it. It just doesn't make sense. The costumes were shit. Sorry, I'm rambling. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't good. You know, I've given it three stars. I was One of the things I was disappointed was it's like one of my, you know, I love a good masked gimmick like this where it's like your, you know, your Midnight Rider or your Yellow Dog or something like that where you've got somebody who it's under the mask and everybody knows who it is, but it's, you know... One Cena. <laughs> you know, it always gets a rise out of me, but not in this setting. Not when it's for the, you know, with the Lucha Brothers who are coming off like one of the matches of the year when, you know, having them lose in this situation, it's it just so quick and just the match was just so like bang you know i was gonna say bang average yeah like it just just felt meaningless just felt throwaway kind of thing and just just all felt a bit a bit odd and off and it didn't feel like yeah. it sort of matched the the presentation of the lucha brothers really in the last you know mm-hmm. month or so where they have you know made them feel actually really really fucking credible and like really you know shit hot as a as a tag team the only enjoyment i got out of this i think was Tully in his green polo to match their their outfit. That was the uh, <laughs> that was that was the uh, that was the main uh, main enjoyment I got out of it really because uh, yeah. there was nothing nothing at all to I don't know I didn't get any positive tick boxes on this. It was just a bang average match. To your point as well, like FTR as well, for like a couple of lads who take themselves so seriously, they don't have to agree to some shite when it comes to creative, both in WWE and in AW. Like there's been a couple of segments like this with them, the stuff they were doing with the best friends and that. Just yeah, somebody put your foot down and just say no. Like that didn't. It's not the role for you lads. You know that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, they're a team. I've just. I'm always lukewarm on them and segments like this. You know. Mm. Yeah, I just feel like undermine them. But yeah, that's them. Um, elsewhere on the show we had um, Moxley squashing Wheeler Utah. Felt bad for Wheeler Utah if he'd won the uh, the CM Punk mm. or Brian Danielson lottery. He might have gone 20 minutes with one of them two on a, on a Rampage <laughs> match instead. He got smashed through uh, by Moxley, which was good. I enjoyed that. It was just a shame who it was uh, against. I'd, I'd much rather switch uh, Utah with um, Dark Orders 10, who's somehow in the uh, the title tournament. Like Surely he could have been the guy to get smashed through here rather than poor Wheeler Utah, but statement of intent and if we are headed towards Moxley Danielson as the uh, the final at tournament one, that sounds great. Two, I love the run to it because it looks like Danielson will probably wrestle Eddie Kingston on the way to that match, and he's going to be wrestling Dustin Rhodes as well um, in this tournament before he gets to Moxley. So some fun stuff to head towards, but 
I think the thing everyone's thinking is Moxley heel turn and you know to rewind a little bit in the chat there Liam um, pretty much outright said that, yeah if, if Hangman wins the title who's the heel he's going to face and I suppose that could be Moxley you know Sean said that similar as well um, feels a little bit like yeah we're going in in a, in, a, in some kind of focused direction with Moxley I don't know what the uh, the end result's going to be whether he really is going to turn heel but yeah um, looks like they're, uh, they're putting the uh, stepping on the gas with Moxley um, for a little bit here at least I think it's good because he's been spinning his heels and I think yeah. you can play that into the storyline. He's had his kind of like, you know, fun stuff doing the indies and the rest of it. But you can basically say, yeah, you brought me in and now you've got these shiny new toys that you bring in and you're all sort of like keener on them. Um, and him as a as a heel with him having creative control over it. I, I've grown to have a lot of faith in John Moxley mm-hmm. and what his choices are and what he does and for the reasons he does them. So I think for him, he'd probably think of a heel run as being creatively invigorating. And if he turns on like Eddie Kingston as well, you've got a great kind of sympathetic baby oh face in which to tell some of that story that as well at the same great. time. <laughs> yeah. That. So like, and and the matches will be up to snuff mm. as well. Because again, let, let it not be said, like there are things, you know, we're, speak, we're going to speak about a G1 climax. And I was like thinking, God, yeah, remember when Moxley was in this and he was fucking great. <laughs> you know, we we forget that side of him as well. And I think that's the thing that a heel turn plays well into the fact that as a character on TV, he's been forgotten for a while. So it, it seems to blend in nicely with that. So there's a direction to go in. I mean, there's there's other directions I personally prefer. I want to see a Cody heel turn. I won't lie. I'm kind of like, you know, that's, that's where I'm at at the minute because I'm loving the Arn Anderson skits. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I think with this one. Yeah, I think with I, I think with this, like you know, as you sort of, I don't know, you get into that that realms, and you you sort of like looking at the tournament really, and mm. I don't know, you almost see like Mox on one side of the bracket, and you see Danielson on one side of the bracket, and you automatically assume, oh well, that's the final <laughs> kind of thing that they're gonna bring those together, and then you know it sort of let you know lends you to you know Mox obviously that heel turn and thinking about the next opponent obviously Eddie Kingston's on that side of the bracket there as well and then when you talk about you know Moxley and Kingston could they face off in the final could there be something that happens in around Danielson with Kingston as well it's you know it's one of those where actually looking at this this tournament there's a few little creative directions there that I think this could could go in and and again it's it's kind of good looking at something like this where you it does kind of get you your juice is flowing a little bit as to what could happen here and what's the end outcome going to be. And you're looking past the, the pay-per-view and it's one of the things that we always pick out with AW is that there are always these underlying elements going on behind big matches or big storylines and things like that that you can kind of sink your teeth into and fantasy book in your own head and think about the ways that they're going. And it's kind of half of what you want to do as a wrestling fan, isn't it? Be thinking about these directions because a heel John Moxley going after hangman page i'm sure there's great stuff there with kingston along the way and then there's great stuff for just with hangman against moxley that can be done there and then i'm already thinking about okay well beyond that if he's a heel then what does what can he do with punk and what can he do with danielson and things and it does just start getting your your, your mind going into all these different di- di- directions really and it's kind of one of those where i just feel glad that you can say in a non-ironic wwe way that 
it's going to be good just to sort of watch this play out and watch and see where it goes because I'm so excited about Hangman. I'm so excited about the opportunities that come beyond that for the next, you know, challenges or even, you know, the, the feuds that then build up to be, you know, ultimately trying to be that challenger who who takes him on in, in, in that future, future instance. So it all just looks good from that point of view. And I think that any time now where, you know, Mox does get a bit more... Uh, gas, uh, you know, the gas is turned up a bit on him because obviously he has been treading water for a little bit. Again, you've got another big fucking star there who really has just been not up to much and again, suddenly elevating him back up into something that's a bit more long-term and a bit more meaningful that he can get his teeth into. Again, that's only going to be another massive positive uh, string to to AW's boat. Yeah. And yeah, like we say on the the other side of the bracket, there is Danielson, and that you know that seems to be where we're where we're headed. Um, you know, for again, I haven't mentioned it, but his match on uh, on Dynamite here was uh, in there with Bobby Fish. Um, you guys have any any big notes on this one? I thought it was just all right. <laughs> it was uh, probably the weakest of the uh, the Danielson matches I've seen since he came back. But you know, perfunctory. It was. It felt like a, a main event on a. Felt like the type of thing they put at the end of Rampage because they know it's late and no one's going to be watching it. They knew it was Saturday night and they knew like people were probably going to be turning out towards maybe the end of the show. Um, and it didn't feel like a blockbuster match, but it was a solid enough main event to have um, in your last segment. And you know, professional. It was a professional wrestling match with two professional wrestlers. Is probably my yeah. view of this thing. <coughs> Serves a purpose to, mm. for Danielson to be getting some reps in. Mm. I think that's all it does. Puts yeah. him on TV. He likes wrestling. Yeah, three point six average on the app. I don't think I'd go that high to be honest, but you know, it was a match. I go three point two five. So, yeah, I was flicking between three point two five and three point five. It was, but but again, it was one of those where I just looked at it and I was like, while it wasn't at the same level as what we saw with Suzuki, obviously, it was another kind of match that I thought, yeah, this you don't see this match, you know. Again, too often on TV, a reasonable amount of time to just go out there and have a, you know, a good hard-hitting match for, for 12 minutes that was fun and enjoyable enough and got you invested in it without you know it being a blockbuster by any means but something that you could actually watch and you know get your teeth into and watch properly kind of thing as well just for a, a little tv match and again I'm, I'm, I'm all for this just Danielson just eat as, as much as obviously up for him having these absolute you know classics with people on the roster I'm also up for him having these, you know, technical or hard hitting three and a half star matches with, you know, random people on TV who can hang with him for ten minutes as well. You know, it's mm. uh, it's it's all good stuff. Um, anything else stand out for you guys on Dynamite uh, as far as match wise? Anything else you wanted to mention? From a match point of view, no. I mean, the first thing that jumps to my mind is that is that Miro video again yeah. because again, oh, just yeah. been loving Miro so much. That was fucking killer. That like uh, it just really just again just con- they just continue to to add add with this, and you know I think that you know talked about that title defeat to to Sammy a couple of weeks ago and and the impact on him. You almost feel like again that's just been like a storyline mechanic to just turn up the character work and violence and threat and things like that within Miro you know that video package there to me just jumped out as like what a fucking animal kind of thing and you know immediately just you know he's someone who I'm just I've got my mind on for just an opponent for Danielson and them two just been going out 
able to just go out and have a knock the shit out of a, each other, big man, little man kind of match. And that's that's something that I'm just like praying for comes down the line. But I just, you know, where we talk about a, a heel that could potentially go in there against Hangman, Miro's prime for that <laughs> for me as well as somebody if the if the mox thing isn't something that people are, are looking at for Miro certainly is because yeah he looks like an absolute beast and and I also love as strong as that promo was I just loved that vulnerability with the him throwing the line in there of you gave me the body of granite and a neck of sand yeah. <laughs> like again just <laughs> what, a, what a line how I, I loved that and it just yeah, again just really played on the fact that somebody can be presented as a monster but they've also got that thing that they can be beaten you know this is you know people know it as well so it's it's a layer in the, the storytelling within both verbally and within his, his matches as well but loved every second of that promo yeah it was great it was great It'd be interesting to see where it heads to be honest and what the, the payoff is is to it but yeah the amount of work they've done there in just a, a few seconds you know at the it's just yeah so well presented and so well delivered by him as well um mm-hmm. i was going to mention on the show like um, sean mentioned this uh, the trios match was fun you know um getting yeah to, um, you know always a fan of getting to see uh, adam cole and the uh, and the young books as a, a team at the at the moment so i'm really enjoying their stuff it wasn't the the most memorable um uh, of six-man matches uh with the dark order but that was fun on the show um i thought dante martin and um and malachi black as well um i do like uh, dante martin um and yeah thought that was a, a decent bit of business as well if not like a, a huge memorable match shaping yeah i same here I, I didn't think it was the match i suppose that they they could have had but at the same time I, I I really enjoy seeing Dante Martin. I'm a bit weirded out by what they're going to be doing with him and Leo Rush. All of that stuff doesn't really make sense to me yeah. in any way. Like a team now, yeah. apparently? I don't really understand. Yeah. So Bitcoin, like, where does this... Bitcoin Barry, as soon <laughs> called it. <laughs> That's a great name. And also potentially a great title. Note that down, chat. Um... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> God, it, it, I, that story's weird. I know they tried to explain it on that countdown to Miami show, mm. which was it's kind of fun. But they said he was hanging out with Tony Khan, learning how to like become a businessman. It's, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> what is all this about? But anyway, it's where it goes in the future as a storyline. I don't know if Seidel plays into this storyline as well. So I thought they were going to do something possibly after the match with Punk, but um, yeah, Malachi Black, I think. Like they're going to the Cody Rhodes third match, aren't they? Is that like next week or something? Mm, yes. Yeah, it was dynamite. It's a dynamite next week. Yeah. Because I yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm curious to see where this goes because again, we had another weird, and I don't know how we can't mention it, Arn Anderson kind of <laughs> skit where um, the oh, way he... you train is you you get it, it was it was odd. But he got slapped. Yeah. Yeah, by Red Velvet, yeah. I think it was. Odd. I, it just feels short. Like, I don't understand. Like, felt like we're building towards a match, and presumably it would be at the pay-per-view. Why is it? You're right, it's this Saturday's Dynamite. That feels soon, doesn't it? I don't know what's yeah. going Like, we always blame Co- Cody and his lack of attention span, but, like, his feuds are so weird. Like, so weirdly laid out. And, yeah, I don't really understand where this is going. Is he just going to lose again? I, Maybe that's what it is? Like, as John said. I right hope there. so. Because I think Malachi Black's hot as a character. And I think if you put him in a substantial feud, again, let's just say Brian Danielson's name for everyone he could have like kind of interesting stuff with. Mm. I'm kind of up for that. 
punk punk would be like a kind of a, a, a an interesting direction to go down as well mm. and i think there's there's something there with him frankly against like all of our own better judgment and we just sort of reserve the right to as soon as he comes up with a nonsense storyline retract all of this praise we've given him over the last few weeks but he's good mm. like and i want to see him in that top line mix and the same way i want to see miro in that top line mix mm. definitely um yeah any other notes on dynamite then that kind of covers it really doesn't it, i think yeah i think so yeah, yeah. Fun to have a lot of AW on the weekend, though. There's a lot to get through, but, you know, nice and uh, nice and fresh for Spotlight yeah. on a Monday, so thanks for that, Tom. I apologise for making fun of your, uh, your dog tweet. Um, but, uh, <laughs> hopefully we'll have another crazy weekend. Uh, do you think Rampage is going to beat uh, Ryan Satin in the demos? I feel like it is uh, next week, so... Deserves <laughs> I don't think those numbers will be as quite exciting. Um, but, yeah, I suppose we, we should yeah. move on. But, uh, like I said, we said we didn't have much to talk about today, and then we spent two hours on AEW. So, always uh, always content there when it comes to, <laughs> to, to Big Town. And, uh, they are great content providers, aren't they, AEW, are. on a regular basis? That's ah, only the hottest wrestling promotion in the world. What are you going to do? Exactly. Um, but you're right. You know, in another year, we might not have... Uh, you know, it's G1. G1 finals this weekend. We Surely we should be all be excited about the weekend uh, coming up and we've waited till we're two and a bit hours into the show to even bring it up. Um, yeah, the uh, the G1A block final was today. Um, I presume you both watched it. Every yeah. minute of it, I expect. Whole day. The stuff that matters. <laughs> okay. Synonymous. Um, yeah, I, oh, there you go. There's the completest uh, Gareth there. I just watched the four last three matches. I watched uh, Shingo Yujiro, uh, Tangaloa, Zack Sabre, and Kota Ibushi Kenta. <laughs> I felt like that Shingo Yujiro match kind of summed up New Japan. Like the, you know, the double count out finish for one, like, which is just okay, great. You're, you're world champion. You're, you know, your ace at this point, Shingo, has uh, got a draw with. Yujiro Takahashi because of the mathematics and I don't know if that's like a, an absolute like you know I, I'd throw Ghetto's booking out based on that because we've had plenty of you know weird last day finishes like that from Ghetto over the years but I don't know the fact that like they did it and then Shingo gets in the ring and then even the commentary's confused like Chris Jarton of all people's like I'm sure they both get no points now Oh no! I'm being told they both get a point each. Oh no! Do they? What's happening? Who can win? And like him and Kevin Kelly are on air, like doing the maths, trying to work out. Like, okay, so Shingo's out, right? Oh yeah, right. Okay, yeah. So that, yeah, there is no like interesting dynamic going into the final. There, it's just out. It was so like emblematic of what New Japan is right now that like you can feel it. I think in the commentary, you know, from Kevin Kelly getting some grief for saying people would cancel their New Japan World subscriptions if Evil won the entire thing. I think they know this thing has been a slog this year, and yeah, just uh, watching this. What one made me laugh, and two, it was just like, yep, that's New Japan now. Shingo Astro with New Japan. I mean, it was a, it was a funny one because like. <laughs> By way of the concept, the idea that Yujiro is a member of Bullet Club and Kent has got a chance to win the tournament and he's out of it and things, I quite like the idea in some ways of Yujiro mm. trying to get him counted out as to take the points off him kind of thing, like as a as a as a mechanic that mm. that kind of worked with me as an idea. The execution was terrible, <laughs> like of, of, of the way that it was it was done with it within things, and and especially the way that that bled through into the into the commentary as well. But it, um, I mean, 
what can you say about it? You know, it's a, it's a fucking, like you say, it's the, it's the champ and he's going to a double count out in 13 minutes with fucking Yujiro and like, you should, like, it shouldn't even be getting that far. He should be, he should be putting them up, putting this fucking schlub away, like, you know, very, very, you know, very quickly as well. And just that, that the whole presentation of Shingo there looking, look, looking like a bit of a fucking dumbass, really kind of thing. It, again, it just takes, takes away from him a bit and his credibility and how he's positioned with the crowd and things like that. So yeah, it just, it just, fail to fail to deliver and and i think with the outcome i think even if shingo had won like he still wouldn't have won the tournament would he i don't think with is is that right i'm sure i read i read that if he had won did he lose to kota i I, I don't know he'd have wanted kenta to win there maybe i think would he yeah still doesn't matter yeah okay i was i was gonna say like there's I suppose strip it back. There's got to be a better way of presenting your champion than this in the final day matchup for his block, where it's going to have more eyes on it than any other day, bar the first day. Probably, you know, first and last day's probably got the the most eyes on it. Disappointing for Shingo that for me. I've got like the same take, and you know they kind of tied together. JP like the Tangaloa Zack Sabre match. Like it was pretty good. Don't get me wrong. I'm no nowhere near as high as the ratings I've seen on Grapple, but it was no. pretty good. And you know Tangaloa beating Zack Sabre Junior. and tripping up on, up on the final day again. That's that's not a new trope. That's the type of thing Ghetto's done in the past. It's just like to Garrett's point. You know Zack Sabre Junior. gets all these big wins when no one's watching, and then the day that everyone tunes back in, he's losing to Tangaloa. You know for the sake of the story. Because I mean, in an ideal world, I say they've done this booking before. Tangaloa wouldn't be the guy at the other side of the ring. It'd be somebody you know with a bit more to offer. Um, you know beating Zack Sabre Junior in this way and you know again it was a decent enough match for what it was and you know Tangaloa looked good for Tangaloa standards but still like yeah it didn't um, didn't make me uh, particularly encouraged about the uh, the current ghetto regime JP yeah that's pretty you pretty much summed up how I felt I mean yeah with this match I went three and a half on it mm-hmm. this is the top end of Tangaloa this is yeah. as good as it's getting. That's the so, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm not labouring under any misconceptions. This is beginning of the great Tangaloa singles run, reign. But he he worked well, particularly with Zach's style being able to kind of almost like just jump all over him with the various submissions and the rest of it. But I felt very depressed by the booking of mm-hmm. this, and I think it is when it hit the Yujiro Shingo match that when I saw the outcome of that, I went. Right then, so everything's going to be on the main one here. And as soon as Zach was there, I was like, oh, he'll lose. They'll do something like this. It's like, you know where it's going, which it didn't make me regret having missed so much of this tournament. Like this whole final day, you know, just even talking onto the other matches. There's other TV matches I preferred watching this week than Mm. a lot of this stuff here. I felt very, very depressed and down. Like it's just G1, like, by the numbers it's exactly kind of what you do and i know that the you know the naito injury and the rest of it kind of screwed things up but like fucking hell yeah there's, there's I, I don't know like and this match as well for zach it's like what what are those matches going to mean then later on like gareth said it 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 felt annoying but it did make me think was well, zach's run overall was really good and i enjoyed hearing mark buckle deal BWE with you guys sort of mm-hmm. talk about like Zach's run as well because I think he has had one it would have been a lot more interesting if he'd won and gone through to the final that's all I'm thinking 
in terms of like the main, I think that would have had added a whole interesting dynamic. But instead, we're doing G one by numbers, aren't we? And and this this match, it just got me having been, you know, like we said in previous weeks, essentially just been following Zach through this tournament. Really, because mm. you know the matches I've been watching to get to this point, and this is the final day, and that's the payoff. I mean, like. I was thinking at least be going into the last match with thinking Zach's got a chance of winning it, you know, and and that ultimately not been the outcome. That 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 was something that I was like particularly high on, or it had me thinking, oh, if Zach wins this and they draw in the main event, which felt like a credible thing, then he wins and he goes through. You know, it felt like there was there was ways of presenting this that brought a bit more drama into the the final match of the day even as well. But I, I was just, I was saying to Ian Hamilton earlier, like it just left me feeling just very anticlimactic really after the, the Shingo match. And then after this match, you're sort of going into the final match, just feeling a bit like, like, like really, it's just like, this is what it's come down to. There's nothing more to it than this. And, and the fact that it's like that defeat, it just left me thinking, Oh God, is, is, is the next step from this then, more fucking god versus zach and taichi or something like that in tag matches or something is is that where you know zach gets all these wins wins and it looks like he's getting an elevation to a certain point in the card but actually it's just going to be back to a tag feud or something because you know that that was the way i was kind of left uh left feeling about it to um today like it just uh, I, don't, I don't know but and then going into that main event and Talk about anticlimaxes, or talk about <laughs> yeah, not 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 yeah. delivering. Like this is, you know, it's Kenta versus Ibushi. It's this is the this is the final match in the block. This is the one to de- decide the winner. And talk about a match being structured in such a way that just takes you right out of it. And you know, red shoes is well, I'll say red shoes. Probably Ibushi is probably more to blame for it for for me here. The these 19 counts and him been so late to get back into the ring, which meant that Red Shoes had to hold that the count between 19 and 20 for what felt like five seconds on two occasions. That it just it totally took me out of the match completely. I thought I thought it was it was awful from a from a timing's point of view and and just generally just unnecessary. And like I went 3.25 stars on this. I don't know if if yous have gone like any higher or not but i was just left just thinking what a wet fart this whole match was and it was almost just kind of like the perfect uh, i yeah. don't know it was a perfect sort of Sums up the tournament. Meta- metaphor yeah. for the tournament or whatever this whole match kind of thing the way the way it was the way it was presented it just it just made me think well i'm glad i haven't invested 50 hours of my life or whatever into this because if this is this is the culmination of it if this is what has been delivered as the outcome then great and you know just for it even for it to just be like a bushy put in this position again and there's like we've talked about that we talk about the staleness at the top of the card it's stuff been again there was an opportunity there with kenta to do something a bit different with zach to do something a bit different no, back to Ibushi kind of thing. Who's been, you know, we've seen a fucking hell of a lot at the top of the card over the last couple of years, and you're looking for something to inspire you at this point, and and literally came out of it feeling absolutely the opposite. Yeah, that's it. And it's like it's like watching the ghost of Kota Ibushi at that. Like he's not. You're right, JV as well. He's he's not 
like himself, right? <laughs> he hasn't been since he's came back. You know, he probably shouldn't be being made to, to do this tournament and be out there right, trying to work these epics. There's moments, don't get me wrong, like that daft table splash on the outside to Kenta. I really enjoyed that. I was like, oh, that's like that's like classic Kota Ibushi, <laughs> but then I'm tempered by like almost concern for him. And you know me, I don't get concerned for wrestlers, but I'm like, I just, he's not himself. He just isn't. Like, and. Uh- you know, and like to 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 add on to it, it's it is the fact that we've seen it. You know, he's going for the three feet, cool. You know, it's the fourth time he's he's in this position. Great, like I mean, I, I do wonder, JP, if you'd have told us three years ago when we were covering the G one that you know, yeah, Abushi repeating getting to the final three times was going to be a negative. Like we might not have one hundred percent believed it, but it is, and it just it sums up the the fact that it felt feels like they pressed pause on New Japan these last two years, um, and nothing's really progressed or yeah that time. and they've also pressed pause on Kota Ibushi because mm. he's exactly the same person same dynamic everything else so mm. it's and it's same for everything same thing for the stables and everything and everything else I I think initially went three and a half and then I thought about I it I went three and a half like there's part of me I, I put it down to 3.25 because I was kind of cross because I was thinking about the double count out spot and then I was thinking there was this whole section where they fought out to the back and like over by the fucking empty chairs and the rest of it. And it's it, it, like, it, it just sort of summed up the ridiculousness of all of it, of just thinking this is meant to be the big dramatic end end of night. And, you know, you think back to other G1s where there's been like some sort of like great last night. Jesus Christ, what an overall letdown I, I, I just thought this was. And when you're rating it, a G, like the final of a G1 block, you're rating it the same as basically American television wrestling. Something's wrong. Like it, it really is. And they need as many people to come over as soon as humanly possible. If they're able to get them in, like never as a company, like just needed such a, an influx of fresh talent. I'm done seeing all of the combinations of the people involved in this tournament. I really am. Yeah. And it's not over because the uh, the B block final no. is coming. <laughs> you know, have you looked at it as well? Uh, have you looked at some of the matches on this card? Evil versus Sonata, no stakes. Sonata <laughs> versus Evil, yeah, without stakes. Yoshihashi versus Chase Owens. <sighs> Fucking hell! Even Cobb and I don't like. I just don't care about Jeff Cobb, sorry. Like, I don't care. I, I've got no belief he's going to beat Okada either. I mean, you know, if you're listening to this on Thursday morning, feel free to laugh at me if it happens. But I feel like it's a given it's uh, Okada, um, Ibushi in the final, which is Thursday morning, isn't it? Uh, it's not even yeah. weekend. Like, I don't, yeah. it doesn't feel special. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be getting up no. early for it on Thursday. I'll just watch it whenever I get around to it at the weekend. I don't care. I just don't care. They beat it. I didn't have any interest at the start of this tournament, and I feel almost vindicated after maybe a, a short period of potential light at the start of it. Like, I don't know how anyone has forced themselves to care. Like, those you know, huh? podcasts and writers who are trying to keep up with this thing and cover the entire thing and convince themselves Tamatonga is good. Like, I feel terrible for those lads. Like, they, you know, they, they, they oh. all deserve a month off. Like, you know, um, it doesn't fit the description I just mentioned, but, you know, Buckledy and Hamilton and the lads just, yeah, caught. They were doing the Lord's work, just, like, forcing themselves to sit down and watch the, this thing and watch every show in the block they're covering, or, in Hamilton's case, the, the entire fucking thing. Yeah. I mean, I because I, I was watching this live, I just put it on while I was at work because I knew that the first couple of matches 
I was only going to be half watching anyway, sort of thing. So I, so I put it on the app. So it's had literally since the minute the last match of the main event was on there, and there's like 30 ratings on the app. I looked on Cage Match as well. There's like 30 ratings on Cage Match too, and like I think it's like the last day of the block. <laughs> and so it's you know you, you're looking at two platforms there of to that you can use to gauge some level of interest. Nobody cares. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like the idea, the idea that like you know it like is like I'm you know literally grapples very very close to getting like the millionth rating on the app altogether and you know i was looking at this like you know you're looking into g1 season and i'm like great we're entering g1 season you're gonna get a big flow of your ratings here you know we might even pass that million mark by the end of the g1 and you're looking at there we're on like the the day of the show and there's like 30 ratings and you're just like for sake nobody gives a toss like nobody cares yeah it's true and they've done it to themselves, and it's you know a combination of a lot of things, even down to the silly stuff with fighting people for fucking gifts and photos on uh, on Twitter and, and uh, other social. People media. who want to publicise your product. Yeah, the, the people who were like who are putting themselves through this can't even talk about it properly. It's just yeah, a perfect storm of just malaise, isn't it, with the uh, with this company right now? But for our sins, we'll I cover don't... the final next week. We'll cover it on Monday. Luckily, we don't have to cover it on the weekend show. JP, it already happened. We should have done the preview. On Friday. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, and to be honest, I'll no doubt have it like the results spoiled for me. I don't really care. Yeah. I just don't care. Like that's where I'm at. I, I don't care. It's like, all right, they're going to be in the main event. Akada, shockingly, Akada might be in a main event on one of three, three. nights. Yeah, that that's the thing. Tokyo it doesn't Dome. matter anyway. <laughs> well, I'm fucking. Ibushi might headline. I fully expect both of them to be involved in some needlessly convoluted main event picture that they're going to put together as well, where it's like, you know, it's the, I remember Sarah Farrell about three years ago was just going, this is just the same booking style for this as well. And it's even more pronounced this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that we didn't force ourselves to watch this. I've just been weeping. Yeah. There's no Patreon tier higher enough, and no one would have paid for it anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, um, unless things change the next year, we'll see if we even cover it at all. Um, but yeah, unless you guys have got any notes on the G1, any anything else to say? We've, uh, like I say, we'll cover the uh, the final on uh, next Monday. Um, yeah, bit of a slow week, really. Yeah, that's it. Any other stuff you've been watching? I was to mention I caught up with the Dark Side of the Rings. Yeah, the final yeah. two. Um, the Johnny Kane on Luna the Vishal. The last. No, there's the um, steroid trial. Yeah. 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 Is that. Yeah. So um, I don't know which one do you want to start off with? Luna Vishal, Johnny Kane? I haven't got like extensive thoughts on them, really. I don't know. They're going order. Johnny Kane, I mean, me and Gareth had seen that yeah. last week. I know you said, Gareth, you had more thoughts on that than I did. I thought it was like a fun little side story. I didn't feel like it was worthy of a dark side of the ring, to be honest. I didn't know the fella going in. I learned a bit about him coming out. You know, the stuff about the biker gangs and stuff was interesting, but I don't know. It, it felt like a bit of a B episode to me. I know, but I know you were a bit higher on it than I was. Yeah, I mean, I think I was. I think I was higher on it just for the, just for the idea that it was a bit different and it was a story that I didn't know. And you know, when he comes to him as a wrestler, didn't know him as Johnny Kane, and I knew him as Bruiser Bedlam, like from 
you know, again, it's the old Aptomag top ten lists and things like things like that. Seeing seeing the name in you know Smoky Smoky Mountain lists and things like that. But I mean, just yeah, just as a as as a story, you know, I got that element of interest out of it. Was it worthy of a Dark Side of the Ring? I don't think so. You know, I think um, some of the stuff was um, for you know want of a better word, overblown with his uh, with his uh, bombing of a police station and things that didn't quite seem as actually as serious as the way as it was presented, and yeah. you know there, there there's things like that that just seemed a bit more low level, and then the actual stuff that you maybe would have been a bit more interested in, where you know there were you know some of the the hits and things like that that he'd uh, you know allegedly done. It was all very superficial and, you know, you didn't get to the level of detail there. But again, I think I said this last week in, in summary, it was a story about um, a wrestler that was pretty much new to me. So it was a story about wrestling. So I was interested in it from, <laughs> from that point of view. But, you know, beyond, be, I think the most in, interesting part for me was, was again, just seeing sort of some of the talking heads around it and, you know, so, you know, surprise, surprise! You've got these, uh, you know, the likes of Lance Storm. Surprised that after all their years in uh, wrestling, that somebody there who seemed a nice guy on the surface actually wasn't a nice guy um, <laughs> underneath it all. And you know, that element of surprise. You're like, come on, Lance, open your eyes. You've been in the industry for fucking forty years or something now. I'm sure you're uh, sure you uh, shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be that surprised, but. Hey, who knows? Maybe J- JP. Maybe when he's out on his walks, he's, uh, he's maybe killing people in the woods of Oxford or something like that, and we don't know it either. Who exactly. knows? Exactly. Uh, you know, I've, I've killed before, and I will kill again. No, that's not true. That's not true. I, I kind of agree. It's a very JP story. Uh, not, not really, because it's probably not as wacky as it sounds on the tin. Yeah. Um, in some ways, like the other episode, I've forgotten it's going to be scheduled to come out. The XPW one, I imagine, to be kind of a lot more like completely mm. wild as much as anything. This one was kind of actually like it, it's it's because it's a, a wrestling story that I don't know much about, featuring some talking heads that I'm familiar with, who are you know with good production values. So it made it like an easy watch, but I'd know like kind of emotional investment and in who this. He headlined shows for Smoky Mountain for a period of time. That is not the stuff of like a dark side of the ring where you're trying to kind of look at something about like kind of if it has any kind of like bigger impact. I suppose you could argue XPW is much the same. No, so yeah. I think Cornette pulled the wool over their eyes here. I think he was like, oh, I've got this amazing yeah. story. And then it, they got to the end. Oh, it's not that amazing. Now we've done all the research, but we might as well just put it on telly. Jericho will talk a bit and pretend he remembers him. Let's let's go with it. Let's do it. Yeah. I was a bit surprised, yeah, Lance Storm crying. I just like yeah. didn't see that coming coming at all. That was the thing that like threw me at the end of it. But yeah. I I watched it. I'll never watch the episode again. It's there's not any slight on it, but it's just What yeah. what did you make of the episode? This is gonna sound really bad. Like it felt like the story itself was it's the same story kind of repeating itself again and again. So it's not like the stuff with her coming up through her career and her family was, was interesting stuff. Um, particularly about like the Vashon's not being a dad, which that wasn't explained enough. He's staying in a motel. Luna Vashon's <laughs> dad is shot. So he marries the woman whose motel it is. 
Yeah. And I just thought we're jumping through a lot of fucking hoops here. That how... was sus, that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just thought this, we're not being told the whole story about this. <laughs> at fucking at all. Um, and then it kind of, it falls into a kind of familiar cycle of her not being able to wrestle really because of the time period where it was and the way that American wrestling was going. And so she finds herself being more self-destructive in terms of her, her drug addictions. Mm-hmm. And it kind of feels like that's the cycle it gets into, which as a story is tragic, but it's not dramatically interesting. Yeah. And it felt like there's like her son's very blase attitude to the whole thing was kind of like, uh, I found somewhat refreshing, to be honest with you. He just didn't give a shit. Yeah, he's like, she was never was there when I grew up, you know. But, yeah. you know, she was off living a dream, so cool. And then she died, and yeah, we didn't, we couldn't be arsed having her funeral, so we just didn't bother, you know. <laughs> just okay. Okay. Uh, and I, I, loved, I, loved his, I loved his response to that other uh, wrestler because that female wrestler said, oh, she would have wanted like a coffin going down the road with fireworks and all that. And then it went back to her son, and he was like, nah, she wouldn't have wanted that at all. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she, she, was, she was very. He was like she was. She was very quiet. There's no way she would have wanted that. And you're just like, yeah. that's yeah, real life versus wrestling promo people. skills. Yeah, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> wrestling people, everything's another show in it. It's another book, and it's uh, you know, but yeah. It, again, this sounds this sounds weird to say, but it, for a documentary that's called The Dark Side of the Ring. In light of some of the other shows that you've had presented over the years, it almost like wasn't dark enough, kind of mm. to me. Like it was almost like wrestler takes a load of drugs and sort of falls out of the industry and and dies. And then we could probably do that about sixty wrestlers, couldn't we? You could probably write a list now mm. of uh, people who've done exactly the same as that. You know, uh, it, it was one of them. It was it, it was interesting to some degree again because there was elements of the story that I that I didn't know, but. Did it? It didn't feel like to me like it was a story that warranted an hour's documentary in the way that it was presented. I think some of the stuff that was more interesting was that earlier stuff that you mentioned, JP. That they just washed over completely. We never got any. Yeah, we never got any depth on on that at all. That was the dark stuff. That there was dark stuff about that murder of a father or whatever or whatever whatever had happened there. Her aunt as well, and that just getting washed over by a by um. Uh, Mad Dog for Sean just being like, oh, no, no, there's no way she would have done that. And that was it, kind of thing. And you're thinking, this is all the dark stuff. And actually, it almost felt like some of the stuff with, you know, Gangrel. Mm. It was it was all just sort of almost like lighthearted stories about drug taking and wrestling, whereas there was a dark element to, to the documentary there that should have been explored more, that was just washed over in, in the way that Dark Side of the Ring have done on... A lot of occasions, there's often something there that feels like there's a there's a there's a nugget for them to dig deeper into. There's a there's a route that they could go down, but they but they don't. You know, whether it's just they've not got the talking heads or the budget or the will, who knows? But there's you know there's been a few now that we've talked about that they've they've only scratched the surface on things which actually seem a bit more important to make it a bit more of a vital documentary than it ultimately ends up being. 
I think I think you probably do a whole documentary just on the women's scene. I think you like look at the parallels between like her and yeah. um, Sensational Sherry, and thought Medusa was really engaging as a talking head. Like, yeah, she's a great story. Just the fact that she's got this dual career now. What does she drive? Monster trucks or whatever she does. I love that on, on the intro where she was oh, like, yeah. "Wrestling fans know me as Medusa," but you know, like she's uh, she's great, and like that that stuff was interesting. Like you know, because I never really, as a kid thought about that when like luna was out there or sherry was out there they weren't wrestlers to me they were just they were the valets and you know hearing that you know and you know it you know from from time as, as a wrestling fan that luna could go and that sherry could go and they were women who could have you know offered something in ring i think that part of it's a bit tragic and that part you know the fact that yeah mm-hmm. uh, you know, i thought it was i don't know whether it's true or not i'd love to hear Meltzer's take on it you know medusa saying she outright wants to put luna over in a match and it got to the point where like she literally was gonna force her to pin her and give her the title and luna refused to do it and i was like i don't know <laughs> yeah. this makes you look really good but i'm not sure like what the other uh, truth in it is but you know and that was but then you know i did think it was interesting to talk about like that being the women's division then like the when they did finally get going with it there were six of them that was the entire division like it's you know night and day to now but yeah i, I suppose uh, as a kid i never would have thought of luna and uh, and sherry and, uh, and the like as you know full-fledged wrestlers and that is a bit of a shame I think though that thing about the belt story as well, it was, you know, it was, it was just Medusa putting herself over. And I was thinking about they were trying to almost paint this story that that was the most important thing in the world to to Luna was getting this WWE WWF women's title that ultimately in reality has no had no value at the time, kind of thing, but it was presented as being that important to her. Well, then she wouldn't have wanted to win it in a way where you're just gonna lie there and let her beat you. She'd have wanted to win it. Probably, because they, yeah, the, they the company it. had respect in her and they chose her and they wanted to put the title on her. That's how she would have wanted to win it if that's how important it was to her. So actually, Medusa, <laughs> like, I, I think it makes you look shit. You know, you think it's painting you in this positive, well, what a good person I am, light. But to me, it just, yeah, just made Medusa look like a bit of a tit to me. Has, has anyone seen that um, WrestleMania 14 match any time recently? The one they taught, the Sable match that she's so upset about that, like, he did this carry job for Sable, and everyone was giving like Sable the props. Like I've seen people on Twitter repeat that to all players, like, "Oh, she did incredible work that match." I've got barely any recollection of it, and I don't remember it being like this this super performance, to be honest. But uh, apparently, that's the story, and uh, she was frustrated that yeah, she got no credit for it, and then. Uh, <laughs> You know, I could I can't picture the scene. You know, Sable comes backstage and everyone's kissing yeah. her ass and throwing roses at her, and she's probably she probably has gone out there and done very little. Um, and Luna's probably done all the actual actual hard work, but I can't say it's one that stands out in the memory. No, not no really. Way. No, uh... <laughs> I don't really struggle with that one. It's like the fact it existed. I was like, all right, yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. I remember that match existing at some point in time, but no. Yeah, I would have liked to see more of the ECW stuff I found like kind of strange that she never had an ECW run because in some ways she would have been kind of tailor-made for that point in time, no? Didn't she? Didn't they have that on the show that she was in ECW? She was, yeah. but she was in that match again, but not like an extended run. Oh, I see, yeah. In between yeah. being somewhere as like the, ext- I don't know, like another, ex- the extreme female Luna or whatever, mm. you know, she kind of would have would fitted have in fit. quite well. Yeah, with the whole aesthetic as well as like the kind of anti-sex symbol type mm. stuff coming out, like I, it, that would have been interesting. But it's not like ECW were promoting women's wrestling either, were <laughs> they? No, 
In fact, if anything, they were worse. <laughs> they probably were, yeah, and were an influence on the WWE mm. stylings of it as well. But yeah, uh, so yeah, like you said though, JP, there are uh, interesting ones coming. Uh, XPW and uh, what's the other one? Steroid Troll. Steroid Troll. So yeah. where we know. hear Jerry McDevitt talk, I think it might be for the first time in my life. So. I'd stay up late for that one. <laughs> yeah, intrigued for that one. And XPW, Christ knows, depends who they've got speaking to them, but. Mm. I fully expect the Messiah story to be all over this one. Let's hope they got a new and Jack talking about before he died. Oh, they have. Yeah, they mentioned it in the um, the sort of special they did with Chris Jericho. So, yeah, they've got new Jack talking on it. There we go. Got that to look forward to, at least. Um, yeah, you guys been watching anything else before we go? Anything else to mention? I think that's it. I didn't get round, didn't have time to watch the All Japan Jake Lee Kento Miyahara main event. Yeah, kind of not that much on this weekend. We kind of had a mad, we've had a kind of mad couple of weeks in previous episodes where we've jumped around from lots and lots of stuff. Whereas mm. this weekend, it was a little bit calmer. It was. It felt like a weekend off this weekend, I think, having yeah. done that Danielson run and then there wasn't a lot going on really outside of AW, was there? So, it yeah, just felt like a bit, of a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. a bit of an easy weekend. Yeah, we have recorded a lot of stuff recently in, in our defence. So. <laughs> There you go. And plenty more to come. But uh yeah, there's uh, I think this weekend there'll be there'll be more yeah, more going on obviously with uh obviously Thursday the big joke big day. We've got a G one climax final and crown jewel, so you know. Big Thursday this week, everyone. <laughs> but no, AW at the weekend again, obviously. Oh. Uh, yeah. Blood sports as well, um, is this weekend. That's uh, that's coming up. Plenty uh with big GCW. Bound weekend, for glory, though. mate. Bound for glory on this. Apparently it's sold out. I just saw that news now, JP. There you go. The good times are coming back mm. for impact. Maybe it's at Sam's Town Place, which Ring of Honor run. It was. It's certainly less than a thousand. I want to say seven hundred and fifty. I'd be skeptical how many seats they're opening up. That's all I'll say. <laughs> it's impact. I'm wary. <laughs> I went um, and as well, Gage Suzuki. You're gonna be watching it, Gareth. Look forward to it, mate. Mm. <laughs> <I don't. laughs> you see, I hear the word Suzuki. <laughs> I hear the word. I hear the word Suzuki. What's he gonna and, do? Um, like. Uh, What's Gage gonna do? He's not gonna take any. He's not gonna. Do, there's gonna be no death match spots. Is Gage just gonna have to get in there and wrestle with Minoru Suzuki? I, I oh, don't I'm know. I'm intrigued. I'm excited. I was gonna say. Yeah, unfortunately, this is this, this is the problem. The, there's that level of intrigue that always build, brings me back face. in. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. You'll enjoy hating it. Think of it that way. Uh, yeah, busy weekend though. But yeah, we'll uh, cover all that in a bit more uh, detail on the uh, the weekend show on Friday. But yeah, anything else for you guys? Anything you want to plug? No, that's it. Uh, oh, uh, plugging. Sorry, I completely forgot. I would say patreon.com forward slash grapple. Go over to there. Daily updates, weekend show, Owen, Owen Hart show, Brian Danielson mixtape, and much more to come. Indeed. Uh, I'll plug BWE. Yeah. I was on, a, on on Thursday. We uh, did a great show with uh, with Andy now, who's uh, formerly part of the team. Uh, it's a great, to have, great to have him on board. We had a, a good chat about uh, all things Brit Res uh, from the last month or so. So, yeah, check that out uh, if you want over on uh, podcastland.com. Gareth? Yeah, just, well, I'd echo JP on that uh, Patreon. The five quid. That It's five quid for that Brian Danielson episode alone. Worth every penny. If you've never been a patron, no better time to just jump in now. As we've got Brian Danielson fever going on around the place. Five quid. Get yourself in. Listen to that show. Watch their matches. 
literally you won't have a better three hours of your life watching them matches and then pretty pretty damn good couple of hours listening to us talk about it as well so um yeah highly uh, highly recommend doing that but and you don't otherwise, have to pay for the matches either yeah. well indeed indeed uh, our friend billy uh, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> is uh, always happy to help out but yeah download the app as well as always pick out those uh Pick out those matches from the G1, and uh, and I like that you there are worth the time of day um, if you're looking for something to do over the, the next few days. Or look at the ratings and see whether you need to bother with the uh, final two days of the G1 or not. Possibly not. Yeah, feels that way. But yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Say, like I said, download the Grapple app, get your ratings, and uh, yeah, plenty more to uh, come from us. Weekend show Friday, spotlight again next week. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Say ya. Say ya.